0: It's July, which means it's college football preview season. Unfortunately, your favorite college football magazine is already out of date. To keep up with transfers, injuries, and position battles this summer, consider becoming a CFB Winning Edge Tier 2 Patreon supporter. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive access to our 2021 FBS team profiles, which includes over 10,000 individual player ratings, daily updated depth charts, the most in-depth returning production database on the market, projected point spreads for every game all season, and much more. Visit patreon.com slash CFB winning edge to learn more and to sign up.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's CFP Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined as always by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish T R I C H E. If you are hunting for him on the Twitter machine, and today we're going to be diving into uh, the Mountain West Conference. A lot of interesting teams here, and we're just going to go ahead and kick it right off with Air Force. We got them ranked 78. Their recap from last year. Uh, their defense was uh, decimated by turnbacks, which we learned pre-podcast is a term for Air Force. Uh, it's for some of these cadets to take a year off for enduring hardships. Uh, Xavier looked up the definition for us, so we just knew 100% what it meant. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's th- not a surprise for COVID. You know, a lot of kids uh, leaving for COVID last year, but. They're, they had a bunch of starters missing because of that, and the offense uh, had some unexpected starters as well. They were still pretty competitive though. They were three and two last season. Um, we have their uh, their prediction record is eight and four for us. We have them uh, favored to win ten, only talent edges in two though, and the DK total is six and a half. So this is kind of a difficult team to pin down as the academies usually are, Nick.
0: Yeah, Air Force is always a little bit of a struggle for the work that we do for a variety of of reasons. Uh, partly because they are notorious for not posting an official online roster, updating it uh, regularly, and and so like I don't I stopped even looking for an Air Force roster this year because it you know they didn't have it after spring practice. It's, it's Ridiculous. I don't even know if they had one, a real one last year at all. You get guys running for a hundred yards who uh, they don't even have their class height and weight listed on the on the roster. So it's, it's difficult for that reason. It's also difficult because, and we we've, we've talked about this a lot with service academies, where, you know, they recruit so differently than anybody else in the country, where they bring in you know, dozens of guys can can uh, dwarf the, the uh, recruiting class size of other programs. Um, and a lot of those players are two star caliber, you'll get the occasional three star, but some of those guys just sort of pop up out of nowhere and, and end up becoming highly productive or, or, you know, really underrated diamond in the rough type guys. And, and so you never really know how those are going to hit. But the way our you know, our our model works when we're building individual player ratings. We are relying on those recruiting ratings first, and then uh, we add production points later. But Air Force, you know, consistently will uh, field a team that is really heavy with upperclassmen. They lose a lot of guys every year, you know, bring in that next crop, and, and they might be uh, juniors or seniors who haven't really played at all. And and so we're not, you know, our model doesn't add production points for guys that uh, haven't seen the field, haven't earned them. And and so consistently, we underrate Air Force's talent metrics. So that was tough to start. And then last year, you mentioned the turnbacks, they were the hardest hit on defense. Uh, When the season kicked off, Air Force had zero returning starters on defense. And it was because a lot of those guys, uh, you know, stepped away for the semester and, and, you know, weren't, weren't going to play. And they decided to do that because Mountain West announced of course that that they weren't going to play and then came back and did it later. But in a way, it sounds like that's really been beneficial. I I saw a quote in, I believe it was the Lindy's uh, magazine where um, Brad Roberts, who's, you know, probably the, the best offensive player was the best offensive player uh, last year running back mentioned that the guys who are coming back from that year off are, are bigger and stronger uh, because they were able to spend that time, you know, really bulking up and, and doing stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of interesting that we're going to, we're going to see a defense for Air Force that is much more experienced going in than uh, compared to last year. And also you would expect a lot more, talented because there are guys uh you know guys like jordan jackson who is a 90 rated player according to our model which is very rare for air force players to get up there but but he's been an excellent defensive end for you know his career was was a rare guy to, to come in and, and make 20 something starts uh prior to his senior year same for lakota wills at linebacker 23 starts and and so you know you're getting more than half a dozen guys coming back to that defense specifically. And a few who probably will contribute on offense as well, but the defense is, is really where it's going to be, you know, most notice noticeable. You're getting guys who were starters in 2019 sat out in 2020 sounds like maybe, you know, getting a little bit bigger, uh, stronger, who knows if they're, you know, be faster, better football players, but uh, you, you get a whole, crew of, of added experience from last year and throw in some guys who they'd relied on some of their best players before, it, it's really kind of interesting. So Air Force, because of that, uh, I think is a, is rated a little bit higher, at least in our power rankings, top 80, as you mentioned, which is kind of rare for for them in the preseason, the way we do things. And we do incorporate team performance ratings into that, and that does help boost Air Force and, and other service service academies. And some other teams don't recruit super well uh, also, like Wyoming, we'll talk about, of course, later. And Air Force was, was really, really solid. Uh, last year, they ranked 26th in overall team performance. Uh, they've been a top 25 team in our three-year weighted average uh, in team performance. Offensively, they were 20th uh, with the 12th best rushing attack in the country. And then defensively, 36th. And uh, that seemed a little bit low because this is a team that held four of its six opponents to 10 points or fewer. You mentioned they went three and three. (laughs) They lost a game where they allowed only 10 points, lost to Army. So Mm -hmm. uh, this was a really, really tough defense last year. And they've got some, you know, they've got some pieces on offense. They're going to have to rebuild the offensive line, but they've got, I mentioned Roberts, they they have uh, Elijah Robertson, Omar Fata, uh, I'm hearing, you know, really good things about a true freshman who apparently is on campus and ready to contribute, which, again, is, is really, really rare. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Air Force is going to be, as always, a very, very tough opponent. Uh, they are favored in in 10 games, according to our numbers early on. The two that they are underdogs are uh, against Boise State and Nevada, both of those under a touchdown. They will play a lot of toss-up games, Army, Colorado State, uh, FAU, Navy. All of those are going to be tough, probably, uh, you know, really tight games. But Air Force is, is going to be competitive. They're going to have a chance to win anytime they step on the field. Uh, but they're, they're very, very difficult to predict. The talent numbers don't love them, as you mentioned. The stats model is kind of in the middle. Uh, but, you know, all, everything uh, evened out. They do play a, a really, really manageable schedule, 126 in our strength of schedule uh, ratings. And we expect, you know, an eight-win eight win year, a uh, winning record in, in Mountain West play, contending in, in their side of uh, the conference, might have a, a, an opportunity to knock off Boise State and, and get to that Mountain West championship game, but not be a shock. It's it's uh, difficult to project because the the talent numbers obviously are, are a little bit low, but uh, they're they're going to be in every single game. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, right now, a lot of our numbers line up above that six and a half DraftKings win total. I don't know that I'm personally ready to, to jump up there and, and, you know, call for the over, but a very manageable schedule. Our stats model likes them. Our our official model really likes them, and that defense I think has a chance statistically to be one of the best units in the country this year.
1: Yeah, I mean this is a very interesting team here, Xavier, and it's it's hard. Uh, you know the academies are, are some of the hardest to predict, just because you have so much turnover, and you know you have uh, weirdness in the roster. It seems like every year. I mean, we were talking beforehand, and Nick was like, "Yeah, I just give up looking at uh, the the." team depth charts because they're uh constantly changing so it's hard to know but this looks like a pretty good air force team they have some returning experience some good returning experience and um you know like we said uh talent edges in 10 games here so uh lots of uh lots of goodness on this team how do you think they're going to turn out for 2021
2: Oh, I mean, you really look at their schedule and I, I really like it, you know, not only do I think that maybe outside of, you know, Florida Atlantic, I think they can roll through their, their non-conference uh, part of their schedule. I, I really think that, you know, the only concern I have when I look at their, their team is their left tackle and their left guard position, uh, both of which left uh, for, you know, and ended up becoming undrafted free agents. So talented guys at those two positions and, you you know nick was you know you alluded to nick throwing out the team depth chart where i was like man maybe they'll have some youth in those positions oh they just filled them with two seniors oh okay uh so it was just like it it, it it's Instilled in them and drilled it, and the team is drilled into them. So, for me, it may not be so much of a drop off as far as understanding the playbook and understanding what they're supposed to do. But from a talent perspective, at those two positions, that is where I'm a little bit concerned uh, with those guys only having three combined games in which they started uh, versus two guys who had a combined uh, 54 games uh, started. Uh, uh, together so or it started excuse me so that is my thing with, with their left guard and their left tackle positions that's my only concern there uh nick raved about the defense and i couldn't agree more i think this defense can hold any can hold anybody on their schedule uh to under their season average uh, like i said really fau is in my opinion the the best offense that they may play all year um you know, outside of possibly Boise state, which they have to go onto the road to play. Uh, but I I'm really looking forward to what to seeing what air force could do this year. I love their quarterback. I think that he takes an added step this year in the passing game. Uh, you saw flashes last year of his ability to do so, which I think people, when they think about air force, they immediately begin to think about, you know, their offense being just on the ground, like a Navy, not so much. Uh, they, they air it out when necessary. Um, and and I think he can take that next step as a passer there that makes them even better. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't see why they can't win eight games. I I don't. I don't see why they can't win. Can't win. Uh, ten. In my personal opinion, I only see a couple of games on their schedule that I think are genuine toss ups or what they're genuine underdogs, and I would be concerned about them going into those weeks. Uh, I would take the over if I was looking at Air Force at six and a half wins. I I would. I I would take the over absolutely.
1: Yeah, I I think it's
2: one of those because (laughs) it's Air Force, and they bring in. Let's count them. Uh, five signed letter of intent, but they had forty-five hard commits. So uh, yeah, we're not going to necessarily go into the recruiting of Air Force at the moment.
0: We don't even when we're building our depth charts. Normally, we just slot in uh, true freshmen everywhere for Air Force and and Army and Navy. We don't even put those guys in because a lot of them will go to uh, the prep cat you know, the the, the uh, prep schools, and and won't even make it to uh, the varsity in in year one. So. Uh, we always wait on that. It's almost like recruiting doesn't even, you know, matter. We just kind of go back in, try to fill out the roster best we can after. And I did just want to mention, and I like that Xavier uh, brought up the Air Force passing attack and Zeke Daniels, I think does have some promise. Air Force a few years ago led the nation in yards per pass attempt, just because it, it's rare when they do it, but, you know, have an opportunity to, to really hit a big play. And I I mentioned that they didn't get a lot of you know don't often get a lot of real talented guys but one i do want to mention uh tight end kyle patterson and this is going to be kind of a theme probably in the mountain west tight ends are good everywhere uh, in this league but uh kyle patterson had offers from alabama ucla washington among others was a mid three-star guy and sounds like mike you know, maybe have an NFL future. So uh, they do get some talented guys every once in a while. And Xavier mentioned a couple of uh, undrafted free agents. They've got three total, two offensive linemen uh, it, that will that, uh, be there, and a defensive lineman, former former offensive lineman. So they do recruit pretty well up front. Nolan Lothenberg was Very an true. All-American candidate. Uh, yep. Parker Ferguson, and, and then uh, the converted to, to defensive line last year when they were, uh, you know, so shorthanded. George Silvanich. So, you know, they get some talented guys, but, you know, every once in a while, an NFL uh, player is there on the roster, and Kyle Patterson might be the one this year.
1: Yeah, and and what I was saying before, I misspoke. I said talent edges in 10. They only have talent edges in two. Favorite to win 10, though, which is what you get out of uh, s- some of these teams in the Mountain West. But let's go over to Boise State. Uh, Boise State, we have ranked 39 overall. They were far from dominant uh, compared to the more recent Boise State teams but uh, they did get back to the mountain West title game they did lose San Jose State 34 to 20. they finished five and two on the year uh, we have them going eight and four uh their DK win total is nine we have a favor to win nine town edges in ten so this is an interesting team we got a uh, question for uh from CK Plow is the new OC at Boise State along with Coach Andy Avalos, do we think they're going to try to implement more of an air raid that they ran at UC Davis uh, when they uh, routinely put up top 10 passing offenses, which is an interesting question because we know Boise State as a ground and pound team uh, for for most recent years, Nick. So uh, what do we think about Boise State for 2021?
0: It's it's really going to be interesting and, and I'm glad you know, thank you to CK for for that question. Uh, By the way, CK,
1: offensive- CK is going to be drafting my Kings Classic team because I'm going to be <laughs> physically moving to Texas uh, You know, as we're doing this. So uh, CK, definitely one of our guys.
0: Yeah, friend friend of the show. Really, really appreciate it. Um, it it's a great question because, uh, as you mentioned, UC Davis put the ball in the air a lot, do have a lot of air raid, uh, has an air raid background, and, and that's a departure from what we – have seen at Boise State recently, which was, uh, you know, they they still were among or or actually led the the uh, conference in scoring last year. But they run the football, and and they do get the ball out to some playmakers like Khalil Shakir, who's one of my favorite receivers in college football. Uh, I think is is just absolutely dynamic and, and excited to see him get more targets and and you know hopefully be. Uh, really utilized to to his maximum potential, but it it is definitely going to be interesting because I think though Shakir is probably the best overall player uh, on the team, running back is the deepest position by far. Uh, They do return, you know, Andrew Van Buren was their starter last year, leading rusher, all that, uh, carried a pretty heavy load, but he took over for, George Helani, who was injured, was a 1,000-yard rusher as a true freshman. And they added uh, Cyrus Habibi Likio, who's a short-yardage, goal-line specialist kind of guy from Oregon, could certainly carry a a heavier load, be used uh, in a wider-ranging role, I'm sure, but uh, is is definitely somebody that has had some success in a a limited uh, opportunity at a Power 5 level. But coming in with two guys who have been starters and and have carried a load, you know those three guys give them a lot of depth there. But they've got Shakir, they do have CK, uh, C. T. Thomas. Uh, There've you know been some good signs from Riley Smith and Boise State's done a, a really good job developing the tight end position. The offensive line looks solid and, and experienced. Two returning guys were uh, all Mountain West uh selections last year so there's a lot to like offensively a lot to work with and you know one real positive but also kind of a a little bit of a a potential concern is the quarterback position Hank Bachmeyer was really highly rated coming out of high school for a uh, group of five conference team has been a a basically a two-year starter as a, as a freshman and, and sophomore but has been inconsistent has missed some time in in both years uh, has been uh, good not great is, is kind of the just sort of the the term that comes to mind at first and he's sounds like in in a battle for his job Jack Sears uh, was a, a transfer from USC came in had an opportunity to, to play really in one full game but Played incredibly well. Uh, throws a great deep ball, and that might be something that appeal. You know, really appeals to. Uh, the new coaching staff fits, you know, better in in maybe the new system, Uh, not necessarily, I mean, usually we think of air raid as being kind of a uh, shorter, you know, crossing routes, mesh, and and all that good stuff, but it is nice to have somebody who can really attack downfield, and and Jack Sears, I think, does that a little bit better than than Hank Bachmeier, so it'll be very interesting to see how it works out, because there's talent, Uh, it just doesn't necessarily match up with, what I immediately think of as, as being uh, the system that will come in, but it, you know, it's been a, a successful system. UC Davis uh, has run the ball, you know, decently well in years past. Actually last year uh, they did, they did an excellent job, averaged over 220 yards uh, on the ground per game in, in just five games, but uh, not quite as good in, in 2019, 2018 uh, but have had, Success throwing the football for sure, and that's that's going to be uh, really kind of interesting. In, in that 2018 year when they didn't run it as well, it was partly because they threw for over 4,000 yards. In 2019 threw for 3,700. 2017 3,800. So you know, and even prior to that, he was at Northern Arizona, 3,500 yards, uh, 29 or more touchdowns each year. So you know, have to think that with a guy like Khalil. Uh, Shakir and, and you know, some experience in the receiving core, they're going to throw the ball more than they have in years past. It's just going to be interesting to see how they utilize that, uh, you know, that that talent in, in the running back room. But one thing that, that uh, I want to go back to, and, and the first thing you said was they were far from dominant. And there is a really interesting quote in the athletics uh, state of the program Series about Boise State, where uh, you know they talk to anonymous coaches and, and they kind of give a little bit of an unfiltered uh, response. But there, there was kind of one that that stuck me. It said, "I remember playing Boise and tell myself during warmups that we were going to win the game. I felt it. I've never felt that way playing a Boise State team. So wow. it's it's you know Boise State consistently, and I'm sure Xavier mentioned this in in greater detail." has been among, if not, you know, the the top Mountain West recruiter for a long time. They're the most talented team most every time they step on the field in conference play. But you know, last year they weren't as scary, at, at least to, you know, this one source. But it, it makes me think that there were probably some other people Uh, in the conference that uh, felt that as well and and, you know you hear every once in a while people talk about guys getting off the bus and and like oh man you know it looks like uh, this game's already wrapped up as soon as they get off the bus just look at these guys and Boise State might have had that in years past and last year you know maybe not as much so will they be able to recapture that or have they, you know, have they lost a step? Have they uh, maybe don't have as much depth, don't have as much uh, just pure talent? Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see because still on paper, they're they're the team to beat. They are our number one rated uh, team in our power rankings. They're the only team in the top 40 in the Mountain West. Uh, and again, that's based on who would be favored on a neutral field. So it's not necessarily how we expect them to finish or anything like that or a poll, it's it's just our power rankings, no opinion. Who would be favored against who? Boise State would be favored against every other team on a neutral field because they are, you know, uh, solid across the board. They only have uh, one unit. Their secondary is the the number one uh, secondary in the Mountain West. Nothing else is is at the top, but everything else is you know uh, top half at least, and and usually top three. So they're going to be solid. They're going to be a, a, a good team. The defense is, uh, I think, strongest up front, but they do have a 100-rated uh, player and cornerback. Uh, Kukala Kaniho is one of their all-Mountain West performers and and somebody that they can build around. It's going to be you know, tough because they lost two really good corners uh, from last year's team, including All-American Avery Williams, one of my favorite players in college football. But uh, they're they're going to be the still the team to beat. The schedule I think sets up pretty tough. Uh, they do they are an underdog in three non-conference games. They are favored in every uh, conference game, but you know they they don't necessarily look dominant. A lot of those are a touchdown or less. They're they're right around a touchdown favorite against Nevada early in the season. That's going to be interesting for a first-time, first-year head coach, uh, Andy Avalos. They are uh, just about a field goal favored on the road at Fresno State, who I think could be one of the best, you know, offenses, but but certainly passing offenses in the country. And then they're right around a field goal, a little, or excuse me, right around a touchdown a little bit more on the road at San Diego State. So, uh, you know, there are tough matchups, and it'll, it'll be, I think, really telling how those first, uh, you know, two out of those first three non-conference games against UCF and, and Oklahoma State, are they going to get beat up? Are they going to be able to, you know, pick up a, a an upset win in, in one of those, maybe carry some momentum, getting Nevada early on in conference play is going to be tough. And then BYU and Air Force in the first half of the year, that's really tough. It, it's, you know, you might end up with a Boise State team with three losses by the time they've got their, their bye week in late October, they should be, you know, set up pretty well to make a run at the end. But, you know, sometimes if, if you don't have success early, it can kind of snowball and it can be it can be difficult. We talk about this a lot with first time, first year head coaches. You know, how are you going to be able to, to respond to that? So I know our numbers are are really high on, on Boise State. Think think Boise State is is the best team in the Mountain West. You mentioned the the favored, the talent edges, the, the stats only uh, prism model, projected scoring margin. They're all uh, at or above that DK win total of nine, but just sort of the way you, you take these percentages, 33% to beat UCF, 33% against Oklahoma state, 66 against Nevada, 71 air force, 39 BYU. There's, you know, th- those don't add up to as many full wins. And, and so I do think that there's a chance Boise State loses a game it's not supposed to, at least on paper. Right now we have his underdog in three. I don't, I don't think they get through the Mountain West unscathed. I think Nevada is a, a problem. I think Air Force is, is always a tricky uh, opponent. Fresno State is very talented. San Diego State is always tough. I think they lose one of those games. So I think eight and four seems about right. I I would not be at all shocked if they get to 10 wins and win the Mountain West. But I I also, this just feels like a team that might need a year to sort of get its legs under itself under Avalos. And then hopefully they'll be back to that, you know, dominant team that kind of puts fear in, in opponents when they're warming up. But I just, I don't know. It doesn't feel that way at this point, you know, looking ahead to next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, interesting team here for Boise State, like Nick mentioned. Traditionally dominant in the Mountain West. Uh, we we have them as that, uh, you know, back to that kind of standing, Xavier. But three of these first six games are just brutal against UCF, Oklahoma State, and BYU. Three of their first six. The games wedged between there are all, you know, seem very winnable. I mean, they'll beat UTEP. Utah State, maybe Nevada will give them a little bit of uh, an issue, but um, I, I think they got a chance to win probably two out of those three games uh, that that are tough matchups. But that's a tall task to ask a brand new coach to do um, in year one, specifically that first game against UCF, Xavier.
2: Yeah, and when when you know just to go to Nick's point a little bit and kind of expound upon it, um, I think maybe three or four years ago, we would have thought maybe Boise state could have go three, and zero here, um, you know, we, we watched Boise state. It was 2019 where they went down to Tallahassee and beat Florida state. And I remember going into that week thinking that Boise state just had not only a good chance, but a great chance to win that game over Florida state. Um, and I think it's, it's wild to see that, yeah, Boise State has lost a little bit of its bite uh, while you guys were while you guys were um talking and throughout the week, I was kind of watching Boise State against San Jose State because I wanted to see a couple of things, and Nick kind of alluded to it. Uh, with Hank Bachmeyer, what I realized when they played San Jose State in the, in the in the championship game, San Jose State did not was not afraid of the deep ball at all. They sat at maximum seven yards off the ball consistently. They, they didn't care if they didn't think that Bachmeier was going to throw behind them. And they were pretty pretty consistent with sitting at about seven to f- five to seven yards and saying we're going to sit here and we're going to make you make throws that you haven't made all season. So with that being the case, with them having a new OC that likes to go maybe with a more air raid, Bachmeyer might not see as much time if he's not a guy who can you know open up the the, the offense a little bit. Uh, and that was a little bit concerning. The other really concerning part about that game for me was the fact that their offensive line just did not hold up. And, and we'll talk later about San Jose State's defense, but I wouldn't say that they have the the best front four in, in all of college football. Uh, and they. Really, really made Hank Bachmeier uncomfortable a lot in that ball game, and that just alludes to the fact that they were not a team that was used to being in a, in a situation where they had to throw the football a lot. And you even saw it. it was a, there was a a couple of third and longs that they genuinely would ru- were still running the football on third and sevens, third and sixes, just to show you just they don't trust the fact of Hank Bachmeier dropping back every single time. And some of those are my concerns going into this year, whether or not whether or not they're going to find a way to throw the football more, uh, throw the ball better against more talented teams. Um, so I think this is a team that absolutely, when you look at their schedule, best case scenario is two and one. Uh, you have to, when you go down to, uh, you know, you go down to Florida to play UCF and what will be uh, Malzahn's first game, that's just going to be, in my opinion, just too much. for. I'm not going to pick them in that ball game. Uh, but I don't see why they couldn't beat UTEP and Oklahoma State um, in back-to-back weeks. Uh, Oklahoma State has lost a lot of talent. And I think that they have an opportunity there to you know, make that win, especially with them being at home as well. Uh, the, you look at the rest of their schedule. I, once again, I, I think that they have an opportunity to win eight games. Um, so I would go with the under with Boise State, but I'm not sure that they are a team that are going to run the table and are feared throughout the Mountain West anymore. And this, and to Nick's point, this is showing up on the recruiting trail for the first time in I think four years, they finished second in the Mountain West in recruiting this year. Um Shoot, longer than that, longer than four years. I just only went four years back just to see. Uh, But they finished second in the Mountain West in recruiting this year behind San Diego State, of all people. I I was a little bit surprised by that myself. Uh, But they finished second in in, in recruiting. They finished 67th nationally. Um, And although it looks like they'll be getting back to first in the Mountain West uh, next year, it does show you that Boise State doesn't have the vice grip on the Mountain West as they have had over the last five to six years, uh, being that most dominant team in the conference pretty much year in and year out. And it does kind of, when I was looking at it, the deers that Boise state has looked its weakest has been when their quarterback was unable to really threaten you with the D ball. Obviously they had the time to Kellen Moore. Obviously he was a guy who could throw the ball around the yard. Uh, ripen who was a guy who after his first year was a person who could throw the ball around the yard. Rippin young blood. Rippin ripping. I was about to say Rapine because there's an well, I E N at the end there. Uh, well, so Mark
1: Rippin was, uh, on Washington for a long time. So I think that might've been his nephew. I'm not sure.
2: So you can, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it, the the fear of Boise State, I think, has gone a little bit away with the lack of ability for the quarterback to throw the football, you know, to, to, to test your defense and to test your secondary as much as Bachmeyer has not been able to do throughout his tenure there. So they've got to, re, they've got to find a guy there that can do so. Uh, Nick hit it around right the head this is still a team that I think is going to be an amazing team on the ground. They have been over the last probably pretty much five, six years, all the way back to JGI. Um, So uh, they have been a really good team on the ground. And I think they will, once again, my only concern is that quarterback position. And if they can find a guy who they know for a fact is going to be able to give them what they need, especially with the OC change. If they are, this is a nine win team. If they aren't, I think still at worst, they're an eight win ball club. So I'm still going to go under with Boise state. Uh,
1: cousin, by the way, uh, Mark, uh, Brett Rippen, Mark Rippin's cousin. But uh, I just, I just looked it up as you were talking, but I mean, uh, they got, they better get on their horse because It seems like there might be an opening for them to get into the big 12 uh, at some point here. So uh, got Got to play well the next couple of weeks. Well, we'll see. Let's go over to Colorado state. And uh, as expected, uh, especially among CFF uh, folks, The offense regressed under head coach Steve Adazio, but they did have one of the best defensive lines in the country, but they only ended up playing four games. They were one and three last season. Uh, We have them projected to go five and seven, which is exactly at their DK win number uh, at five favored in four, but talent edges in eight nick so uh colorado state definitely an interesting team for 2021
0: yeah and, and they were a team that our numbers were really pretty high on coming into last year and it's that talent uh number that that you mentioned i think we had them uh when we saw the full schedule and, and we were doing these types of previews it was a similar number if not maybe even a little bit higher nine or ten they were i think the second uh ranked team and roster strength in the mountain west last year and it's not Terribly different. I mean, they they uh, are not as high because the quarterback position uh, doesn't rank super high. Patrick O'Brien, who's the starter the last couple of years, transferred to Washington, and so Todd Sentio you know, hasn't played a lot, hasn't played particularly well, quite honestly. When he when he has, transferred from Temple, but seems to be the guy. But he's only a 78 rated player in our individual player ratings. And the way that stacks up against other, you know, projected starters is 105th in, in the country in our uh, starter QB rankings. The quarterback unit as a whole is 102nd, 7th in, in the West. So, uh, you know, a little less, a little uh, below average in, in conference. And that's going to drag them down a little bit. But they're still a talented team. And, and uh, Steve Adazio, you know, bought power five talent from him uh, with him from. Boston College when he came. This is, uh, believe it or not, a top 20 group of receivers and tight ends in the country. The best, uh, highest rated uh, receiver and tight end group in the Mountain West. A lot of that is Dante Wright, an All-Mountain West uh, performer. Uh, really exciting player, can do a lot of different things. Similar in some ways to Khalil Shakir at Boise State, who can you know, contribute a little bit in the run game and, and uh, can, you know, be a guy that, that can uh, go deep, but also uh, get him the ball on, on screen, see what he can do, break some tackles, that sort of thing. So they do have at least one really dynamic wide receiver. Trey McBride is on the short list, I would say, uh, among best ends in the country. And, you know, I, I think in my, you know, CFF rankings, he's certainly top 10. I think he's seventh or eighth the last update I did. So they've got two real weapons there and they bring back another, you know, they they bring back two other starters also in that unit, another wide receiver starter, another tight end starter. And then they added Jordan Cress, who is actually one of my, has been one of my favorite Mountain West receivers the last couple of years, but he transfers in from New Mexico and is somebody that I think can, can. Uh, you know, help out there as well. So they've got talent. They've got guys that can uh, do some good things in that receiving core. It's just, do they have a quarterback to be able to get there? They beefed up their uh, running back group by adding David, David Bailey was most recently the starter uh, at Boston college comes in and and projects as the starter on seating, probably Marcus McElroy and Ajon Vivens, but you know they, they need to run the football better. Last year it was definitely a struggle. They ranked uh, 125th in our rushing offensive team performance last year, so they were actually better throwing football, which we certainly did not expect at Colorado State. But even that was was still double digits. They were 104 in our passing team performance. I think they've got some players on offense. I think the the unit hopefully will have an opportunity to. Uh, you know, mesh and 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 get better. Hopefully, Cintio, who who is uh, a runner, can do some good things on the ground. You know, uh, hopefully, he'll progress a little bit as a passer and and make good use of Dante Wright and, and Trey McBride. But the thing I'm really excited about is the defense, I and mean, specifically the front seven and that defensive line, which last year our uh, defensive line performance ratings, and it was a very very small sample, but ranked third in the country. So talent-wise, you know, they're good. They're they're right around top 40 nationally, top three in the Mountain West, but all four starters uh, return on the defensive line, all three linebacker starters. Two of those guys were all conference, uh, and Scott Patchen, the transfer uh, edge rusher from Miami, and then the linebacker uh, Daquan Jackson. Those are two of the better defensive players in the Mountain West, and this was a unit that uh, at least, you know, I usually say on paper, uh, the way it, it works out talent wise in our numbers. But this was actually on the field and, and the stats and, and everything back at upgrades uh, was one of the top five defensive lines in the country and and could be one of the top pass rushers, uh, pass rushes defensively in the country. They did rank uh, number eight in a rushing performance, and there's some sack, you know, things that, that count into that as uh, a little bit as well. But this has a, a the potential to be a very, very dangerous team. On you know, as far as the the talent numbers go, they are top three or four in the Mountain West, top to bottom. There are few true weaknesses uh, on the depth chart, but they just haven't been able to put it together. Part of that was last year. They didn't get very many opportunities. New head coach. You know, there were there were six new head coaches in the West last year. There are two new ones this year. A lot of turnover. Some teams were really you know able to to thrive. Some teams uh, it's taken a little while. And Colorado State, I think, was one of those. A lot of different disruptions throughout the course of the year, and there were some bumpy you know patches off the field. So I, I don't know how much we really learned. I don't know. You know, for sure, this is a going to be a top ten defensive line again next year. But they certainly have the talent and the potential to do it. So it's it's a team that's very difficult to project. And you know, five wins seems about right. I I I could see them squeaking out a a sixth and getting the bowl eligibility. But it's not a team I trust yet. So I don't really have a a lean one way or the other on the over or, or the under. But uh, you know, right now our stats model doesn't love them, but but they certainly have the talent, I think, to to be a competitive team in the Mountain West and, and maybe, you know, knock off a team they aren't supposed to to get them there and in, into the ball eligibility.
1: Yeah, Xavier, th- this team uh, is one that seems to be maybe held back by their coaching, right? Uh, decent talent, but last <laughs> year's also difficult because, you know, you give a brand new head coach no off season, limited practices, a bunch of guys not playing. You know what I mean? It was it was a rough year for everyone in twenty twenty. Guys so.
0: being dudes.
1: Guys being dudes. That's right. So uh, you know it, it's it, it's difficult to know what to expect, but I think I'm with Nick. Like this team, if they win enough, they could get uh they could become bowl eligible. But it's more of a play spoiler down the stretch type of team to me. So what do you think of uh, Colorado State for 2021?
2: Um, Yeah, you talked about momentum when it came to Boise State, and I think for Colorado State it has to be the same thing when they start their schedule off this year uh, with South Dakota State. That's not going to be an easy game. South Dakota State is one of the best teams in the FCS uh, that consistently compete uh, for a a national title uh, year in and year out. Um, For for me, okay, I just have to ask you guys this question before I continue. Do Do you think they can beat Vanderbilt, or do you think Vanderbilt can beat them? Just just be honest with me real quick. Ooh.
1: Uh, I if think you're
2: I
0: putting would... your money on I mean, it. I take Vanderbilt.
1: Mm. I think, think, Vanderbilt,
0: <laughs> I think <laughs> Vanderbilt can beat them. Uh but we've got Colorado State favored by more than a field goal.
2: So And they're at home, so I'm gonna give it to Colorado State. Um so but I do think that this is a team that will have to go at worst two and two throughout their schedule. Uh, They're not conference schedule to have an opportunity to make bowl eligibility. South Dakota state and Vanderbilt are the two games that they have to win uh, in, in, in this stretch. My only concern is that they do start off slow. They, they stumble against South Dakota state or they do lose to Vanderbilt at home. And, you start off the year one and three, and then you look at the rest of the schedule. They're not going to be San Jose State right off of their bye week. Uh, and then they have to pretty much go unscathed throughout the rest of the schedule. And I don't think that they have an opp- they're have they going to be Boise State or Nevada, even though they get both of those games at home, which should actually help out a little bit. Um, but w- with all that being said, this is going to be a team that if they make a bowl game, it's going to be by the skin of their teeth. Uh, so I'm going to go under their five because I just don't see where they're able to put it all together um, and like I like I said, unless they're able to really start off hot with their non-conference scheduling, I don't see where they're able to really build that confidence and that consistent th- consistency all season to where they're going to be able to make a run at uh, making a bowl game this year. When you look at them from a recruiting standpoint, however, they are sixth in the Mountain West, which I think is a big improvement. They w- improved 21 spots in the national ranking from last year to this year, going from 111 to 90th um, overall. So they're making strides on the recruiting trail. Uh, I'm not too surprised by that, by the 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 clout or the stature in which their coaching staff kind of has um, around college football. So I'm not too surprised that they're able to get better uh, on the recruiting trail. However, I don't know that that, along with a schedule that really every couple of weeks, they're going to be seeing one of the better teams in Mountain West. I don't see how they're going to be able to build that consistency and build that momentum to get them to six wins. So at this point, I'm going to have to say five or fewer for Colorado State going into next
1: year. All right, let's bump over to Fresno State. Uh, We have them ranked 84, and head coach Kalen Burr uh, led the Bulldogs to an up and down 3-3 and mark in his first year. But the offense showed a lot of explosiveness. Real fun CFF team to watch here, Nick. Uh, We have them at 6-6. and Their DK number is also six. So another one where we're right there, Uh favorite twin in five, but talent edges in eight. So what do we think about Fresno state in 2021? Nick?
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, on the one hand, I guess a good thing that our numbers are often pretty similar to, to what the uh, official win totals are posted by DraftKings or or whatever sports book. Uh, but on the other hand, we're, Looking for some value, looking for an edge. So it can be frustrating sometimes when it's like, up oh, number six, and we think they're going to win six. Uh, but you know, Fresno State is—they—they they are a team, absolutely, that is explosive on offense. Can beat you in a variety of ways. Jake Kaner came in, was a little bit. Boomer bust is a a first year transfer from Washington, but when he was good, he was really good. And, And they were able to tort some of the weaker uh, defenses in the league and, and, uh, was able to utilize some really exciting weapons, I think. And and Ronnie Rivers at running back, who, uh, is of course good, you know, as, as a runner, but, uh, they really incorporated him well as a a receiver out of the backfield last year. They add Jordan Wilmore to that group, a transfer from Utah. So uh, a little bit more depth there because Rivers has, been banged up at times was was uh banged up a little bit last year so um good to to get him maybe a a little bit of rest but he's a 100 rated player he's he's been super productive during his career has 27 production points to his credit so that's you know racking up 100 yard games uh high grades in in uh, pff grades uh player of the week in the conference all that sort of stuff and you just add it up and, and boom, his, his rating has gone from a guy who was a, a sub eighty in his two four seven rating coming out of uh, high school was a seven, nine, four, five, now is is you know, on par with the best running backs in college football and and certainly could put up numbers uh, you know at that level, I think. But Jalen Cropper, somebody we've talked about before, another of those dynamic kind of you know weapons who we can get. Uh, the ball in a variety of ways. There seem to be several of them in this league, but uh, he's been an explosive playmaker. Really stepped up last year when some other guys were, uh, you know, banged up, injured. They they had injuries in the receiving core and at tight end, and and Cropper uh, stepped up and and became a go-to guy. It will be, uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see if he's able to hold on to that number one spot because. Uh, you know, we we talk CFF a little bit here. He is going really high in drafts, and and based on last year's results, understandably so. But uh, they had a couple of projected starters in the receiving core who were unavailable for parts of last year. Uh, Zane Pope only played two games, and and when he was able to come in, you know, had two touchdowns, had seven receptions in those two games, the last two games of the season. Took a little bit of of uh, Cropper's uh, you know target share away. So, are we going to be able to project Pope to have a, a bigger role this year? They also, brought in Ty Jones, a, a transfer from uh, Washington, so has a, a background with, uh you know, with with Jake Hayner. So, it you know, I, I like Cropper a lot. And on the the Fresno State side of it, having more weapons is is certainly obviously a good thing. And and I think they have the potential to be even better. Juan Rodriguez starting tight end was injured in the first game, didn't play the rest of the year. He's back, projected to to be the starter. So uh I think, you know, at least as the offensive skill positions go, this is about as good of a group as there is in the Mountain West, they did lose their best offensive lineman, but they returned four starters. So, you know, it wasn't great. Hainer took too many sacks last year, was under pressure too much. They ranked 90th in our O line performance ratings, but, uh, you know, experience hopefully will, will uh, get them to, to play a little bit better. And you would expect there's no real weak link on that offense. It consistently should be. Uh, among the highest scoring, highest producing offenses in college football. There are pieces, I think, to like defensively as well. David uh, Perales was a transfer, came in last year, and and, uh, was an all-Mountain West performer as a a defensive end. All four starters up front are back. They've shown some promise rushing the passer, Uh, have not been consistent, but have shown promise. Uh, They are experienced in the back seven as well. Uh, and they've brought in extra, you know, they, they've they hit the transfer portal not to fill holes, but to bring in uh, competition for, for guys that are coming back. So, you know, because of that, I think Fresno State is a more talented team this year than they were last. They ranked 72nd in our overall roster strength numbers, 43rd on offense, 100th on defense. But, you know, brought in some transfers, linebacker, you know, really one, at least one at, at each level to come in and, and push maybe for for starting roles. So I think the defense will be a little better. They were decent against the pass, top 40 nationally, but they were only 87th in our defensive team performance overall. They were 99th against the pass, so that needs to improve. And then as Zaire's going to get into the schedule a little bit more. But after that week one game against uh, UConn and, and week three Cal Poly, it's tough. Uh are certainly... You know, I would say that no Mountain West game is unwinnable for Fresno State, but it doesn't set up particularly well. They do get, you know, do start with UNLV at home. You would expect that to be a win, but they've got to go to Hawaii, to Wyoming, to San Diego State, and to San Jose State, and then they also have to play Nevada and Boise State at home. So it's it's tough. This is a team that is built like a division contending team, but that schedule really gives me pause. I know that there are some folk out there in, in uh, media. I know a uh, uh, great podcasts that I need to catch up on a little bit, but uh, split zone zoo uh, split zone duo has talked at different times this offseason about how Fresno state over six is free money this year. Uh, <laughs> it's, I think kind of a little bit of a bit, but there's probably some truth to it because mm-hmm. they're a really good team, but that schedule scares me. So, I'm not ready to, to you know, say, hey, I go all in in and, and Fresno State over six. The talent edges line up. The, the stats only model lines up at eight and nine respectively favored. But remember, if this is your first time listening to us, those two models, the only things that are taken into account are talent, our talent numbers on the one and, and then our stats uh, in, in the other. Home field advantage is not part of that. So there are some games that they're favored in in those models. That if we incorporated that two and a half points for home field advantage might you know might flip at least the stats model there too there are, there are two no three three games for sure that are within that two and a half uh, if if they were to to flip um, and home field advantage were taken into account so the schedule scares me with Fresno State and and I know they've got the potential for eight nine something like that wins but this might be a team that is the best six and six team in the country this year uh, at the uh, group of five level.
1: Yeah. And, and Xavier, I mean, the schedule is really the whole thing because it seems like, like Nick alluded to, they're going to start three and two. I, I think that you can pretty much put in the bank, but moving past that, Every game is winnable, but every game is losable all the way through the end of the season. So uh, it makes that six number difficult because you're just looking for four wins in in uh, in that back half of the schedule. But it's kind of a tall task to ask them to uh, 100% do it. So I, I think I think if I was betting, I would take the over, but I wouldn't take it over with as much confidence as uh, uh, some others would, Xavier.
2: I could not agree more. Uh, when you look at their schedule, I just we, we talked about momentum with Boise State and we talked about momentum with Colorado State. Is there even a chance for them to build any type of momentum? Three and two in their in the first five games is really good. But after that, I mean they invariably could lose their next three and be three and five with Boise State and San Jose State still on their schedule. And it, for me, I'm I'm really trying to figure out what teams I'm going to give, I want to give the guaranteed stamp to. So going to Hawaii is never an easy game, especially on the you know, going there with the time difference, everything that's not easy. Uh, but I think that's an easier game for them than Boise stayed at home and San Jose stayed away. I d- I'm trying to find guarantees. So if I was a betting person, one, I wouldn't touch this schedule at all. I wouldn't touch this team, but I would have to say, I would I would have to say that they would probably six games is the best that they could do because I don't have any guarantees after their non conference schedule and U N L V is up after the first five games it's too much it's there's too much toss up there for me to decide that this team is going to go better than six games um it's also too much of a toss up to go below I think six games might be perfect uh for them at this point but really we we'll, we will we'll know very early on because. For Fresno State to get to a bowl game, it's gotta be on the back of it's gotta be on, that that defense has gotten much better than they were last year. You look at their schedule from last year, and that was their biggest issue. They couldn't stop anybody. I mean, no matter how many points that they put up, I think the best representation of that was their game against New Mexico at the end of the year last year. 39-49. If your offense puts up 39 points in a game, you should be able to win said ball game. And for your defense to say, we're going to one-up the offense and give up 49, where you yeah, gave what up 21. they, what do the they the think? Fourth. They're
1: in the Pac-12? Come on. 39 well, points should win you a game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Especially when 21 of those 49 points came in the fourth quarter. So their defense has got to take strides this year. And if they do, I mean, this is an absolutely a team that could get to seven or eight wins with that offense. But I'm not gonna, I don't think their defense is going to make that much of a stride. I think they'll be incrementally better. Um, and so six wins is something where I think that they can obtain because the defense is going to be, you know, one of those things is when your defense has pretty much been the reason as to why you weren't a team last year that, you know, you look at their schedule could have went four and two in re- realistically or even five and one, you look at the defense is the most focused that they're going to be on all off season. That defense probably Nick, you can tell me if I'm wrong as a coach, you would probably have the amount of points that the defense gave up somewhere in that locker room. Or total yardage that the defense gave up somewhere in that locker room as, you know, a motivating factor for them this summer and throughout the fall, throughout fall camp. That defense knows how bad it was last year and how and knows how much it let down its offense in some games. I expect that defense to be better. And that's why I think that there'll be a bowl game, bowl team, but I wouldn't be also surprised if we got a similar defense to what we got last year from Fresno State and they finished under as well.
1: Yeah, this team very, very interesting and I love what for CFF as we mentioned a couple times talking about Fresno State. uh, We love a great offense and a crappy defense. It just means (laughs) that those uh, those uh, offensive players are going to be on the field more and more and more. Now we did get a question. Here from our guy, Andrew, and I think it applies to the next team. So I'll just read it out here. It says the Mountain West Conference, maybe my favorite conference for CFF for lots of reasons. And I think because many of the programs have a reliable identity uh, that allows us to make informed decisions about where their production will come from. This is a very well worded question from Andrew. That being said, which teams get your head spinning the most when thinking about where its offensive production will come from this year? And Nick, you kind of you put this under Hawaii and I think that it makes sense. You know, we look at why we have them ranked post one hundred. Them and Colorado State of the teams that we've talked about so far are the only ones post one hundred. There's a couple more in this conference, of course. But uh, Todd Graham came in, exceeded expectations for the Rainbow Warriors. They were five and four. Now, they did have a twenty eight to fourteen. Uh, New Mexico Bowl win over Houston, too, which gets a lot of people pumped. Todd Graham in his dream job, like he says, every place he lands. We have them at six and seven. Uh, DK has them at seven. Uh, Their favorite twin in six. Talent edges in three. One of Nick's favorite teams to watch because they're always the last game of the night. So what do you think about your Rainbow Warriors for 2021, Nick?
0: So I, I, I kind of slotted Andrew's question here because... One, I, I wasn't really sure what Hawaii's uh, you know philosophy or, or uh, you know wh- what's the word uh, that he used the the identity. I wasn't really sure what Hawaii's offensive identity was last year, other than get the ball to Calvin Turner, which was a pretty good plan, and then let Chevin uh, Cordero run around a little bit. Uh, surprised me uh, how much better of a runner he was than a thrower last year, and then a passer, because I I did uh, like a lot of what I saw in some small spurts uh, in the previous offense run and shoot. Uh, As a passer, you, of course, could run a little bit as well. But, you know, Chevin Cordero was was the leading rusher for Hawaii last year. And that included, you know, passing Calvin Turner, who was one of the best offensive weapons, multi-use players, again, in this uh, conference, but uh, a real, real surprise transfer from Jacksonville University when they shuttered their program was an option quarterback there. Uh, signed, you know, signed at Hawaii under the previous coaching staff. It looked like he was, you know, maybe going to play receiver, maybe going to play defensive back, but comes in plays running back, plays receiver, wildcat quarterback, kick returner. I think earlier today and media days was uh, voted, you know, expected to be the first team uh, punt returner hasn't even returned punts at all yet. So, uh, you know, he's obviously come a long way in a short amount of time seems to be getting, you know, some NFL buzz. I've seen some NFL draft, uh, you know, people in, in that space who are getting a little excited about him. So that, if you can call it an identity, you know, let your let your best players make plays for you, then then great. You know, both both Cordero and Turner are back, so you could, in theory, continue that. But uh, it, it's a little bit difficult, I think, to have a, a sort of a hodgepodge offensive identity, and and you know that's sort of sort of what they were working with last year. You were able to get away with it a little bit, but now, you know, you're having another coaching change. Now you're having your third different offensive play caller in three years. Uh, Bo Graham, Todd Graham's son, is is taking over, and his resume is is light. I mean, you know, he, he was the uh, running backs coach and passing game coordinator last year. He was a quality control assistant at Louisiana in 2018, and then in our, you know, uh, coaching history, uh, little uh, things that that we've got, the five-year windows in our uh, stats projections, uh, that's it. <laughs> so he wasn't even, you know, an on-field coach. Well, quality control wasn't an on-field coach there, but he's been an on-field coach once, uh, just one year of, of experience in that five-year window. So it's difficult to know, you know, or, or are we going to see a continuation of what it was last year under uh jk g j guinea i forget his name (laughs) offensive coordinators now at ucf former tulsa quarterback uh what was the the play caller last year but you know what what are we going to see are we going to see that same system are we going to see a little bit of a hodgepodge he had a quote in one of the magazines where it was like you know you don't attack uh, a, a UFC fighter, the same every fight. So it's kind of a you know we'll we'll attack each opponent in a different way was sort of my takeaway. So it's it's difficult to know I think what what Hawaii's offensive identity is, but at the very least they've got you know some players to to work with. So Cordero can run around and, and make plays. Uh, hopefully he will show some progress as a passer. But, you know, if you can get the ball, Turner, whether it's, you know, in the slot, out wide as a Wildcat quarterback, uh, I think they're going to do that. I think we're going to see Day Day Hunter get more of that, you know, starting running back role, but they're going to feature Turner in as many ways as possible, I hope, similar to what they did last year. And that'll at least give them a chance. It It gave them a chance last year. They were able to eke out a couple of wins, get to a bowl game, but. It, it's a little bit difficult, I think, to uh, just sort of piecemeal it together like it seemed they were doing last year. Defensively, they've got some issues. Uh, this is a team that ranked 109th in our rushing team performance numbers last year, 91st overall defensively. Uh, they put up decent numbers against the pass, but sometimes we see that when a team is is really, really weak, really, really poor defending, you know, one or the other, the, the opponent, you know, doesn't have to pass as much. So they didn't, didn't necessarily choose to do that, but, you know, early on, at least they showed some real promise on defense. I think they kind of got exposed later on, but they've got, they've got some good players. I mean, Darius uh, Muval had a, a huge, huge year, 22 production points. He's up to a 94 rated player in our, in our uh, player ratings. Cortez Davis is an all-Mountain West corner. I saw that Phil, Phil Steele has uh, the Hawaii secondary. as his number one unit in uh, the Mountain West. That, that surprised me, but then I looked at our numbers, and we have them number two. So it's it's a you know talented secondary. Uh, it is a good linebacker unit. In addition to how they do have Penny Pavai, who's been kind of an edge rusher guy, uh, but unfortunately they lost Jeremiah Pritchard to uh, a season-ending injury this summer, uh, a, a car accident on, on July fifth. So it sounds like he might miss the entire season. That certainly, you know, hurts from a, a personnel standpoint. And hope he gets better. And Hawaii, of course, has had uh, a real string of of uh, some difficult situations off the field. You know, uh, lost a uh, uh, Colt Brennan program legend uh, over the year, uh, over the off season, Robert. Uh, Kakua, who is really the voice, you know, you talk about, I, I, love to, uh, watch Hawaii football games, obviously, but you know, he was, he was such a joy to listen to. And, and, uh, they lost him over the off season as well. So they're also moving from Aloha stadium in a way that could be because it's closer to campus. They're, they're actually going to be playing in a, a very, very small venue that they're, uh, kind of retrofitting to, to host, uh, games on on Saturday, but uh, a lot of a lot of change in the program, out of the program, changes on the offensive coaching staff. Brendan Marion, we've talked about in the podcast before, is is really kind of a uh, fast riser in the coaching profession. A guy that you know a ton of high school coaches are are loving what he's doing. Articles have been written about it, so they're losing not only their play caller, but one of their better, uh, more well respected offensive minds as well. So, yeah, I've, I've got some questions. And and identity is is certainly part of it on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, Hawaii is a, a tough team. They're going to be in the mix in a lot of games. Uh, their schedule, I think, does set up pretty well. They get Colorado State at home. You know, that would have been a toss-up, almost the exact same rating. Uh, they get that at home, so they get that two-and-a-half point uh, boost. They play some of the weaker teams on the road. They get Utah State on the road, UNLV on the road. They'll be should be favored in two of those uh, road games. That's that's you know a bonus. Get get the games that you are supposed to win on the road. You know, hopefully that that and then you know get home games against teams that you might be able to knock off, like a San Diego State. For example, that game's a toss-up because of home field advantage. So it's it's going to be uh, Hawaii is a team that can go. Uh, you know they're they're kind of they're on the fence for me. They they could go one of, of of two ways. They could take last year's somewhat surprising performance and, and build upon it or maybe they got a little lucky at times took some teams by surprise with some uh, unexpected players and and unexpected spots and and maybe some of the you know coaching changes and and things like that maybe they take a step back that that wouldn't surprise me either so i don't have a real strong read uh, i've seen some i know uh, fpi there or in you know espn chalk there were some uh, early summer uh, best bets and Hawaii over the uh, seven, I think was, was one of those. Maybe it was six the time they wrote it. Uh, You know, right now, I think if I had to choose one, I would lean to the under because seven is, is the max in our models. The stats only model has them at seven talent edge, you know, three, uh, only three uh, uh, talent edges, only air Force is worse in the conference. So, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that maybe we see Hawaii take a bit of a step back, but they're going to have some exciting players. They're going to be in a lot of games, should have a lot of exciting games. So give us uh, something to to watch as always late night, really looking forward to that. Um, but it, it you know, Hawaii is a team that can go one of, of several different ways. They could put the exact same record up, which we were kind of expecting, or, you know, could get better, could get worse. It's really a difficult team uh, to project.
1: So when we look at Hawaii here, Xavier, I mean, uh, when as Nick was saying it, I saw when he said that um, you know the, a lot of people are taking over. I think that number had to have been six because I think you look at seven, and it's just a tall task. I think we have some wins here. I think both New Mexico State games, which apparently, you know, they're turning into an NFL franchise, playing them twice. Uh, (laughs) You know, they, uh, I think those are wins. I think the Portland State is a win, but you got to find four other wins here. And they're favored in some of these games, but not by, uh, you know, an insane amount, you know, Utah State, they're favored to beat barely. Uh, They're right at a real coin flip at 50% with San Diego State. Uh, UNLV, they seem to be a little bit better than Colorado state. They seem to be a little bit better than Wyoming. They seem to be a little worse than same thing with Fresno state. So you could, you could get five wins uh, out of them uh, in, in the rest of those, but you could easily get five losses. So I don't think that this is a team that I want to bet the number on. I think it's just a little bit too close for comfort for me.
2: Yeah, so get. I, I'm taking the under here. You know, I'm just gonna get out of the way right right then. I'm taking the under. Um, I, I think last year was a little bit of you know first first year. You know, he over he, he you know overachieved. I'm I i do not think that's gonna happen for another year. I don't see Hawaii as a program overachieving for another season. Um, I, I think you know I, I was while you guys were talking. I was also looking at some Hawaii tape from last season, and uh, yeah, very up and down. Uh, you know, so, so some, some crazy highs, you know, I, I watched them, <laughs> I watched them beat the brakes off of UNLV and then I watched the Wyoming game and it was like two completely different teams. And I was like, okay, am I watching the same ball club here? Or am I sure I'm not watching a 2019 game? And I just feel like that kind of inconsistency is going to lead to a team closer to six and six than a team closer to, you know, a seven and five ball club. And so that's where I look at Hawaii being being uh, a bowl eligible team. Absolutely. I think they have the talent to do so. But I'm not sure that they'll be able to be consistent enough. Um, shoot, you take last year's record; they were five and four. I don't think that they're going to be a team, you know, and they were four and four in the conference. That shows inconsistencies there, and they're gonna. That means they would have to have really good success. In their, uh, in their non-conference schedule. And outside of Portland State, I don't, see, well, obviously in New Mexico State, I don't see Portland, I think Portland State's a win, but UCLA and Oregon State are both losses for them. So I don't see an opportunity where this team gets to seven wins. I think six wins are going to be, it is really uh, a comfortable so- spot for me to say. When you look at the, how inconsistent they were last year, that also, I think, adds to that fact that they could win one week and then get blown out the next and then win by 30 the next. I just think that that's what you're going to see from Hawaii. And so you're going to all year, they're going to be a team that kind of is just a headache for Nick because he's a Hawaii fan. So, you know, I mean, uh, I I think that, you know, that six and six is what I'm comfortable with. What I won't say I'm comfortable with is the fact that they rank 125th nationally in recruiting. Uh, That is one of the worst uh, in the country to to give you an idea they're only 25 spots from the complete bottom, which is 150 uh, for two, four, seven football rankings. Um, And and they've been pretty much around 125 for a while now. They were 125th the year prior. Uh, They were, Surprisingly enough, they're 125th nationally, but they're still 11th in the Mountain West. So one team was worse. Um, and we'll be getting to them in a second. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you know, but I think, you know, when you really look at Hawaii last year, they weren't really able to hit the recruiting trail. They brought in nine commits or 12 commits total, nine From high school, Uh, they brought in five transfers from some pretty big programs, uh, but all guys that look like they just were not going to be able to play at their respective schools. Uh, I just don't see, you know, and the talent that they did bring in, I'm not so sure that that swings me into a a way that says that they go seven wins. I'm going to sit at six and six. And Hawaii, for me, it's going to be a fun game to watch. You know, if you're up that late, which I think all of us typically are. I don't know if Sky will be anymore. He's changing hours. He's changing time zones. No, I'll still uh, be,
1: I, <laughs> I guarantee you I'll still be up later than both of you every night. So uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just the way my, my body works. So,
2: um, so I mean, Fun team to watch um, for either good or bad reasons for Hawaii. One week, they'll score 35 and win by, by 26. The next week, they'll give up 43. So that's so with that kind of inconsistency, I'm going to go with a 6-6 six six ball club.
1: Let's go to Nick's new home state as of right now. Probably not for very long uh, as he <laughs> is a mover and shaker. But we go to Nevada and... And uh, they ranked among the most improved uh, FBS team in a variety of the 2020 metrics that we run here. They finished seven and two. Uh, they uh, did um, uh, in, uh, after a 38-27 bowl win versus two lane. So it was a good year for them. Oh, we know they have a strong offense. We've got them at eight and four. Their DK total is seven and a half. Favorite to win in eight. Town edges in seven. It should be a really fun team to watch. At least I know CFF wise. At least, you know, like, like Andrew said, uh, Mountain West's got a lot of fun offenses, and this is definitely one of them.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, you know, finally on location for the Cole Turner Appreciation Hour here. So uh, <laughs> Nevada tight end Cole Turner, is- Mom
1: Bainbridge, you know maybe- you love this part. <laughs> is,
0: is is maybe my favorite player in college football uh he uh just you know exploded last year former wide receiver uh six six you know big body guy two forty uh in moved from wide receiver to tight end absolutely exploded. Nevada did uh, so much you know fun things moving him around, especially in the red zone to, to get matchups and it it paid off. I mean, in what they played nine games last year, Cole Turner had nine touchdowns, uh, caught 49 passes, 600 yards, certainly, you know, wasn't near the, the top of the team lead in targets, uh, or yards. That was Romeo Dobbs who just played like an all American the first half of the season. But you know, there, there's been a little conversation. You already mentioned Mike Mangridge, who in in some of the behind the scenes, some of the DM groups that we're in for CFF leagues and stuff. Uh, I think it, it, you know, can't stand that I take Cole Turner maybe a round or two or three before anybody else would. But uh, you know, they just they they make it, uh, they emphasize and prioritize him in the red zone, and for good reason. So, yeah, you know, Carson Strong is getting first round NFL draft buzz right now. Right. Preseason uh, Mountain West player of the year. He's great. Ninety three rated player in our our model. He's going to be one hundred by midseason easy. Uh, and, you know, Nevada, Nevada, excuse me, has a uh, better get a it chance right to. Hey, I got it. I got it. Uh, but, <laughs> OK. <laughs> uh, just a slip of the tongue there. But. Uh, yeah, so, so, you know, Nevada's is going to, I think, improve in our power rankings. I I don't talk about that maybe as much as I should, but there are some teams where we kind of know the the style of play that they've got, especially some, you know, pass heavy teams are going to likely improve over the course of the year, assuming those players uh, build up production points and and we certainly would expect that they will and and there could be an argument made to hey maybe we go ahead and fold that in because we're going to expect uh this to happen anyway uh but nevertheless you know there's still seven rooms of uh, seven uh points worth of improvement that carson strong can can you know go up uh some of the receivers they brought in dubs is a, a 99 plus rated player so he doesn't have as much but uh, Elijah cooks is really healthy after being injured last year. If he gets in there, puts up a few production points, he's just an 80 rated player. He's probably better than that. Probably, you know, 85 or so, if I were just to assign him a grade out of my, out of my head, uh, Mal- uh Melquan Stovall, 75 rated players, returning starter, somebody who put up, uh, you know, had, had some impressive catches at times as I caught a few, uh, replays of, of Nevada games earlier this week to to you know sort of study up a little bit and he flashed at times they had other guys uh you know uh, mostly as a a kick returner but i think that you know jamal bell's athletic enough and that's something some of the teams we'll talk about a little bit later there's some dynamic special teams players that need to be a little bit more involved offensively i think in this conference and maybe he's one but then they also brought in some talented transfers Harry Ballard, Marquis Spiker, who was, uh, you know, 97 at 247 Sports. That's a high uh, four-star player from Washington. Never really got on the field much uh, during his time there, but still, I think has the potential to come in and, and contribute. So there's there's a lot of room for growth in that receiving core, even when you've got a guy like Dobbs, who's uh, uh, almost maxed out, and a guy like Turner who's a 90, but you know could still probably get up to 100 uh, with a with a good start to the year. But Nevada right now is our second ranked team in our power rankings. They're 59th overall, but I think that this is a team that will get to that Boise State, Boise State, I, I, I got to get that one correct too, uh, level, top 40, top 35, maybe this is the type of team that could really make a run to some of the, you know, Coastal Carolina, Louisiana levels that we saw last year. I think the offense is that good. I think Strong is that good. I think the the options he's got at receiver and tight end are that good. Toa Tawa, uh, Tawa and Devonte Lee are a really solid one-two combo. Neither is is really a dynamic uh, make you miss home run hitter type, but they both run tough and and uh, are difficult to break down. Uh, bring down, you know. Carson Strong's only real uh, deficiency, I think, as a quarterback is he, he provides almost zero value as a runner but in short yarded situations they put lee in as is kind of that wildcat quarterback or they bring in the cox who's a six eight, two 240 pound uh backup quarterback and let him you know pick up a, a couple of yards so they last year you mentioned they were so improved statistically it it happened almost immediately for me that that you know on on screen they were among the most improved teams in college football. We've talked about it before with Nevada that in 2019, they were our lowest rated bowl team and it wasn't really close. Like they were in our power rankings 110th or something. And so our, our projections coming into last year were very modest. You know, we thought, yeah, maybe they get back to a bowl, but almost immediately the offense looked different. You know, they, they do of course have uh, Matt mummy, how mummy's son, Father of the air raid uh, but they do or at least last year you know it, it's not necessarily just your traditional air raid they they tried some different things to to get the ball to uh you know their top players they they found a way to utilize really talented guys in new roles like cole turner uh, hey we've got this six six receiver he's he's kind of outgrown the position but he's athletic enough, talented enough. Let let's find a way to get him to ball. You know, find a way to move him around. Uh, he's a he's a tight end now on the roster, but he's split. You know, he's out wide a lot. He's split out quite a bit. So uh, it, it's it's offensively, I think one of my favorite offenses as a whole has some of my favorite players individually, and it's it's a team that I'm really really excited to watch. And the defense isn't bad, especially in the front seven. The defensive line, you know, uh, this time last year looked like a huge, uh, you know, weak spot other than Dom Peterson, who is a really, really good, really athletic uh, interior defensive lineman. I was watching a replay of the game against UNLV just earlier today, and UNLV quarter- UNLV's quarterback uh, took off and ran on a, a kind of a third and medium. And Dom Peterson, who's listed at 315 pounds, probably maybe a little bit bigger than that, chased him down on the sideline and uh, was able to bring him down before he got to uh, the the first down marker. Really, really impressive play that time, but he's been incredibly productive for an interior defensive lineman. 31 career production points, most of that in the last two years, but they've also got Sam Hammond. They've also got Cameron Toomer uh, in the linebacker core. Lawson Hall was an all-conference performer. All three starters are back. The question's in the secondary, and they do bring back three starters. But they also brought in a couple of, uh, you know, decently rated transfers from some, uh, you know, one power five program uh, Wake Forest. But then USF plays uh, a pretty good competition in the AAC. Bentley Sanders projects, I think, is, is a starter, probably both of them. But uh, so as long as that secondary improves a little bit, this this might be my my favorite to win the Mountain West they're number 2 overall they are number 1 in the west division so the you know they they in theory if our projections uh, or or just our power rankings were to play out that way it would be them versus Boise State a rematch Boise State a rematch of that October 2nd game in Boise for the Mountain West title i think the growth that we're going to see from Nevada with Carson Strong getting up there you know, unless Boise State does a, a, you know, has some similar growth at the quarterback position. I think Nevada by that time, if if I know our, our rating system well enough, will be favored in that game. I just I just sort of have a feeling the way the schedules are set to play out, the way I, I sort of foresee the production points happening, especially on the offensive side. I think Nevada, you know, they're they're an underdog in that game in our projections. At Boise and on October 2nd. That game might be a little bit closer by the time it kicks off in our numbers, but I think it would be a coin flip or maybe even Nevada being a little bit of a favorite if things you know go according to plan and Nevada you know, can pick up a bunch of wins in the second half of the season after that Boise State game. I think this is the team that though our numbers may not project it quite yet. I think this is a team that's going to win on
1: that. I I love that call, Nick. And Xavier, looking at the schedule, you know, the seven and a half. Um, I mean, I just I had to look at it three times because I think seven and a half could be a low number for them. I mean, if, if you look at the schedule, let's give them uh, wins against Idaho State, uh, New Mexico State, Hawaii, um, UNLV, and then the these last two are over, you know, 10%, 11 and 13% Air Force and Colorado State. If we give them those wins, uh, that's six, mm-hmm. you know, so you're only looking for two other wins uh, on this schedule. And like Nick said, they could be favored against Cal, Kansas State. They're only uh, they're a, a very, very short underdog Boise. Uh, I'm not saying is winnable, but it wouldn't be the most shocking win in the world. Fresno state. They're right there with uh San Jose state, San Diego state. They're favored in both those games. So uh, I think this is kind of an easy bet on the seven and a half. What do you think? I mean, two words, Carson strong. I mean, for
2: me, Nick went through the entire team. Cole Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Nick went through the entire team and leave and left Carson Strong for last. I was almost thinking like he was gonna just like wait for me to, to to just rave about him and leave it up to me. This is a kid who I would not be surprised got first round grades going into next year's draft. I'll be one hundred percent honest with you. Uh, you watch his tape; he's got all of the he's got all the the arm strength is ridiculous. He's a little bit of a gunslinger sometimes. He trusts his arm a little bit too much. Uh, but this is a kid who I do not see getting out of the second round in next year's draft.
1: I'm, I mean, one, I am absolutely with you. Go that, ahead. Go ahead, Nick. One,
0: one note that, that I failed to mention. I'm glad Xavier brought up the, the passing mm-hmm. strength. But I, I uh, was reading up the, the PFF uh, College Football Magazine. And they made uh, a note that Carson Strong had four touchdowns that traveled uh, 50 or more yards last season. Which was mm-hmm. not only the most in the FBS. It was the most in the PFF era. And he was the only quarterback in FBS, more than one, and he
2: had four. Like I I said, two words, Carson Strong. uh, This kid for me is just amazing. And Scott, I'll let you go real quick.
1: Well, what I, I wanted to say is with all these NILs, why don't we have Cole Turner introducing this show at some point? He's got to be on on cameo or something, Nick. I mean, that's uh, let, let's uh, let's get after it here, right? Come on. Let's hope, let, let's hope well, he's on Fiverr, you know, not cameo.
0: We'll see. We'll, we'll need a little. Uh, you know, uh, we we we've won. We are very very uh, fortunate to have so many uh, dedicated listeners and Patreon supporters. Specifically, we've had uh, a lot of interest in that probably going to need a little bit more before we start uh, hiring <laughs> uh, all american caliber tight ends to to pitch for us but you know may- maybe we'll get there maybe we'll get there
1: hey man he's if got less can... follow way less followers on me than uh, uh on Twitter so uh I mean we he's he's got to be somewhat affordable I think you can <laughs> get me you got to be able to get Cole Turner he, he's so. right down
2: in the street so I mean at the yeah, Bears, yeah you could you yeah, buy
1: bunch yeah. of even right you know. exactly Another, another thing,
2: <laughs> another thing I learned
0: in my in my uh, uh, maybe too deep dive research here, uh, Colter, Carson, Strong, and Romeo Dubs have been roommates since their freshman year.
2: I
1: like That's that too. Cool. You know,
0: you're yeah. going to get the ball to your roommates, right? So yeah, right. yeah.
1: You don't want exactly. to hear it when you get home, like, come on, man, I was wide open so many times, and you miss me every time. So that was yeah, me they are roommates. So. yeah see see xavier knows but sorry xavier we kind of jumped in with our cole turner stick here so oh no by
2: all means right about (laughs) his passing attack i mean this is just such a fun team to watch and i don't see why they can't get over the the you know seven and a half win margin that has been given to them once again i think this team is uber talented i think offensively that keeps them in every single ball game uh you know nick talked about all the weapons that Carson Strong will have and I don't even know if you really went into depth about my favorite one which is Torrey Horton I mean this is a guy who last year kind of just decided hey I know I'm only a freshman but I'm gonna ball out and or you know and decided to even with being one of the younger guys in the receiving court I mean at this point looking at the depth chart he is one of he is one of like the five youngest in the receiving court as a, as a whole and he said you know what I, I, I'm, I'm talented I can play and he he was one of my favorite ones to watch on tape he popped out you know really quickly um, you know and that just tells you how deep that they can go they can genuinely go four or five wide and you have to be afraid of over you know four to f- all of them and, and that's really scary when you also have a quarterback back there who can sling it around the yard. I, I genuinely you know Nevada outside of San Jose State and Boise State, and in Kansas State, because Kansas State's on the road, I would think that I would have them in my mind as a favorite going into all the rest of them. Uh, and that does go against Cal. I don't know. And, we'll, and obviously, we haven't got to the Pac 12 episode yet. Uh, but Cal's team has been reeling. Shout out to Scott in the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, Cal's team has not been one to rave about over the last two seasons. And so. I wouldn't be surprised if Nevada went in there and got a really big victory in Week One. Uh, I don't know what that line is, Scott. If you could, you know, if you could tell me while your cat runs through the screen, uh, I might, <laughs> I, I might put money on that game in particular. Which, which uh, one again? Hawaii, uh, Nevada, Hawaii, Nevada, Nevada versus Hawaii. Cal first game.
1: Uh, that Nevada one Cal. is Cal by less than a point, just over half a point.
2: Is is our line? So I might, I might have to do something there. I might have to think about it. <laughs> I have to think about it a little bit
1: more. I mean, yeah, so far this is definitely uh my my favorite team uh to bet on. Are are you are you done with Nevada? The uh, are are we good?
2: I mean, we we could talk about the we could talk about the recruits for two seconds. Yeah, you no, know, they yeah. they went from 10th in the Mountain West to last year to 5th in the Mountain West this year. Uh so things are absolutely looking up for them in the uh in the recruiting sector. They went from 120 in 2020 to 86th in 2021 nationally so things are looking up for them in a lot of ways and it's only going to look better if you know cole turner is a guy who gets drafted if romeo dubbs gets drafted if carson strong is a first round draft pick it's only going to look up for them on the recruiting trail and they were able to bring in some really good talent from some high from some high schools in the transfer portal as well things are just looking up for nevada at the moment um and uh yeah nick i'm expecting game tape at some point from you as you live there go ahead yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, I just I just pulled up uh Bavada real quick. I could I could go down the street and, and get you uh maybe a, no. a different number. Yeah, but,
1: live numbers. Uh,
0: hey, yeah. <laughs> but uh right now Cal on on Bovada is uh favored by three and a half. So
2: Oh, three and a half. Oh yeah. yeah now I'm taking
0: we've that. We've got way. it as as half a point. But yeah, right write it in. Go for it. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. For it. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm going to write mine in too for the over on the on the win total, uh, for sure. So uh, very very fun team uh, to talk about. Let but let's go over to uh, New Mexico and look, New Mexico. They they struggled last year. They did have new head coach Danny Gonzalez, and they uh, pulled off a pair of upsets and finished two and five. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of obstacles, but this is a team, you know, one of the lower ranked teams, not the lowest in the Mountain West for us, but one of the lower ones. Uh, The DK uh, total is four and a half. We have them at five and seven, a favorite to win five talent edges and only four. And we got another question, this one from Justin. And he asked about uh, thoughts on Terry Wilson. Does he have enough uh, around him to make him a CFF starter? And, This is a guy transferring in from Kentucky that I kind of like for CFF, Nick. What are your thoughts on New Mexico for 2021?
0: Well, I I think despite the fact that Isaiah Chavez uh, was a big part of those two upset wins at the end of last year, he was still a true freshman walk-on who started the season as a fifth stringer. So, you know, I, I think that Terry Wilson or whoever wins this job... They do still have uh Tabaka Teoti. He last I heard is not yet medically cleared, but when he has been available has been uh, you know a, a pretty exciting quarterback at times and they had you know three four other guys suffer injuries. Brant Hughes was in the mix to to start has been the last couple of years uh, but has been dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, Trey Hall was injured after uh, ascending to the the starting role in uh, November. So, you know, one consistency I think will will be key. And I think that Terry Wilson, though last year spent some time uh, not necessarily praising Terry Wilson at, at Kentucky, uh, but I I do think that he is improvement talent wise over over kind of their their top options right now and then i i think that you know he's a guy that though he did have a, a an injury missed a lot of the 2019 season was when healthy last year and 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 in 2018 uh, was i don't i don't you know i i struggled to, to label a guy a winner but he won a lot of games as a starter at kentucky and and he he wasn't necessarily the most exciting player he can uh you know Shows flashes as both a passer and a runner, but is just kind of a guy who manages an offense pretty well and can put a team in position to win games. And I think that's what New Mexico is is you know, trying to do. Or most of last year, they were among the worst teams in college football, and then they kind of were able to, to keep games close and, and win a couple of games that they probably weren't supposed to. Uh, because you know the defense started to play better. Uh, they were able to get the ball to you know Bobby Cole and he was able to carry a, a pretty heavy load much more I think than, than most expected had a couple of receivers who not super exciting emmanuel Logan green and, and Andrew Erickson, but uh, guys who were dependable and, and an offensive line that was was pretty decent actually ranked, in the top 40 nationally in our uh, O-line performance rankings, 38, excuse me, at the end of last season. But this is a team that will have an identity. I think that it, you know, wasn't easy to, to start out with a new head coach, with new uh, play callers on both sides of the, the field. They weren't able to, uh play at home. They weren't able to to practice at home. You know, they spent their year in Las Vegas when they weren't uh, out and, and you know playing on the road. they that was sort of their uh, pseudo home field. but uh, you know they they were able to eventually tighten things up a little bit on defense. Find some players to to make some plays here and there on offense. Keep games short and give yourself uh, give yourself a chance to win in the fourth quarter and that's i think what they're going to want to do moving forward. I mean Danny Gonzalez is is a defensive guy. Rocky Long is is uh, former head coach and and now defensive coordinator is very much that you know type of guy. Run the ball, play defense, kind of suffocate your opponent, keep the ball away from them. And i think that's what New Mexico is going to try to try to get to. So Terry Wilson, you know, fits with that. I I don't think that he's necessarily himself super dynamic, though. I do think that he is an improvement, and and will be a more athletic option at quarterback than they had last year. But I'm I'm more concerned, CFF specifically, going going back to uh, the question. I am a little bit concerned that Mexico is going to be a team that just plays a lot of ugly, slow games. And on the one hand, I think that's their best chance to win. Uh, so, you know, our projection thinks they can get to five. That seems really high to me, but if, if the defense improves and they do kind of, you know, really take to that style, they'll be in a lot of games in the fourth quarter and maybe have a, an opportunity to pull off, uh, some upset. So CFF wise, I think that hurts, you know, and, and just for the the statistics, I don't necessarily think we're going to see Terry Wilson light up the scoreboard. I just don't know that the offense is going to be, you know. Provide him with enough opportunities to do that, but I think he will bring some consistency to that position. Hopefully, will bring a little bit more uh, of an athletic element and, and just all around better quarterback play. Hopefully, and then they're you know tossing in a couple of uh, potential playmakers. CJ Boone is somebody that is you know listed in every thing I read as a speedster. You know, six six three speedster seems like maybe he's the guy that they missed when Jordan Cress didn't play in the second half of the season and and now has transferred so you know maybe he's the guy that can take the top off of the defense and and provide that element. They've got a couple of tight ends that are maybe you know growing into uh not necessarily weapons but serviceable options uh I do like Bobby Cole, but Bryson Carroll is kind of that more you know, get him the ball as a receiver, do a a variety of different things. Maybe they can utilize both of those guys in a, a, you know, unique way, get them both involved. And I think we'll see improvement on both sides of the ball with New Mexico. Last year, they were 104th in our defensive team performance, and that's because they were really, really bad, gave up way too many big plays uh, against the pass. They were 124th against the pass. Offensively, they showed some real promise in the run game. They were 42nd. In our offensive team performance, the passing attack was in triple digits. That's going to need to improve, but I, I think that things started to move in the right direction. And by the end of the year, we saw a little bit more of a glimpse of what New Mexico wants to be. And they've got a manageable start to the schedule, other than that game against Texas A&M, where three and one. That that's not out of the question. If you're three and one uh, going into conference play, and, and this is a pretty uh, you know, there are definitely some some talented teams, some teams at the top that are going to be very, very difficult to beat. But there's a pretty big middle. There are there are some some beatable teams for New Mexico in the right situation uh, that are ranked fourth, fifth in our power rankings in the Midwest. So if you knock off one or two of those, win the games you're supposed to win, uh, you know, against HBU, New Mexico State, UTEP, and then UNLV, you're, you're, you know, knocking on the door of a bowl game. I, I don't know that they get there, but I think we'll see improvement, especially on defense. And then with Terry Wilson in the mix, kind of solidifying that position. Next at, at worst, I think going to be a tough out.
1: Yeah, Xavier. I mean, uh, like Nick said, tough out and, and this total too, I think is doable. I think this is another one that's doable. I feel less confident in taking New Mexico than I would in Nevada to hit the over uh, on their line, but more confident than a couple of these other teams in the Mountain West. So what do you think about New Mexico for 2021?
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Nick. I think this is a team that's going to muddle it up and going to make every game a slugfest. We're talking about the West Coast, Iowa here. This is going to be a team that makes it really ugly. Uh, And I think that that's going to be their best way of competing. You know something that Nick said that I will disagree with though is he said he doesn't he doesn't think Terry Wilson is all too dynamic. It's really hard to look dynamic in the SEC. Just put it out that way. When you're not the you know Lynn uh, Bowden. Yeah, I mean yeah, exactly. Who uh, right? You know, unless Cordell Stewart. um, Unless you're a, a super athletic person in the SEC, you're going to look not as athletic as a a linebacker who runs a 4-4. This is what it is. Uh, I think Terry Wilson might surprise you a little bit on how dynamic he actually can look against lesser lesser talent than what he's had to play against over the last couple of years. Um, And I think that just bodes well for them. I think this is going to be a team that you're going to see Terry Wilson run a lot uh, to to the – to you know increase time of possession as you guys were talking i was looking up kind of the time of possession in the games in which they stayed close in and which they won uh they were teams that held time of possession they they try you know in the games that they got blown out in for instance against air force last year uh, when they lost 28 to nothing, time of possession was 35 minutes for uh, Air Force and, and like 20, what, 24, 25 minutes for um, for New Mexico. So in those games that, that in which they could control time of possession, they were able to stay within a touchdown or less um, or win the game for that matter. So that's going to be something that they're going to hone in on and try to really focus on, uh, I think. Terry Wilson is going to be a huge factor in that because having a running quarterback on some of those shorter downs, like third and two, third and three gives you a little bit more dynamicism from your play calling and what you can call quarterback runs uh, to keep the chains moving. However, with all that being said, I'm not so sure I can agree with you guys uh, when it comes to this team. I, I don't think this team is going to go over. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm, I'm not really ready to say that this is a team that's one win away from being a bowl team slash a bowl team. Um, at this point, you know I think that we, you know, I'm I need to see more improvement in Danny Gonzalez's second year for me to finally make that decision. You know, this was a team that still went two and five throughout all the thing, all the positives that Nick said, they still went two and five. Um, so I need to see more improvement. Um, you know, Houston Baptist is going to be a really weird game because Houston Baptist is a team that like you know, or it has like to throw it throw it around and then put high. Points, put points on the board and, and really turn it into a track meet um and that's obviously it's not something that new mexico doesn't want to have to go through uh new mexico state's going to be a game that i think is a, is a good barometer to see how good they're going to be next year and how much they've progressed because new mexico state is a is not a great football team um and so i think that if new mexico has taken the proper steps in this in this off season they're going to be able to you know really dominate a team like new mexico state um and then from there it, for me it's toss up central well outside of texas and obviously it's, it's toss up central and i think for i think If you're going to be a team that is going to go five to six wins, you've got to have more than like two games as guaranteed wins on your schedule. You need to have at least three or four. They don't for me. And so that's why I'm going to sit here and say that they're more than four and a half.
1: All right, let's move over to San Diego State, which of course means Saint Diego. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Brady Hoke got off to a three and one start struggled down the stretch, finishing uh, three, losing three of their last four to Nevada, Colorado and BYU. So they finished 500 uh, DK has them at six and a half as the total six and six is what we have for them. And um, they have the, their favorite to win in six talent edges in nine. So a lot of talent on this team and from our guy, CK again, uh, you see a lot of CFF questions. I mean, Nick is becoming a big CFF guy this year. Like I, I swear when I was reading the, uh, the article from NBC sports edge, Nick, a lot of teams that, that, you know, the compliment another team, a lot of teams going to Nicholas Ian Allen uh, commenting on his team. I didn't get any of those. So a uh, lot, lots of love for Nick there, but uh, he wants to know finally an ex- uh, uh, some excitement for Tyrell shavers going to San Diego state is he really uh, – he's really tall at least. But we, we've been waiting for this guy to come out and put some numbers up. So uh, I think this could be a big year for him. So what do we think about San Diego State, Nick? Well, my, my bigger
0: question is – and you mentioned we've been waiting on Trail Shavers. Well, we've been waiting on a, a San Diego State quarterback for a while. And yeah. it, it's going to be – you kind of got to have to get that figured out. First. And right now, there's seemingly no real separation. We've got uh, Lucas Johnson, who started some last year before he got hurt, beat out Carson Baker, who was transferred. Uh, Jordan Brookshire, who was, uh, you know, JUCO uh, transfer, got a couple of starts, but, you know, not great necessarily. Jalen Maiden, a transfer from Mississippi State. So he has a connection with Terrell Shavers, uh, was a four-star guy almost you know 89 247 rating uh coming out of uh high school in in texas but he hasn't played in a college game since 2018 so you know is there a guy there who is going to consistently be able to get the ball to a a terrell shavers or you know they've, they've got a couple of guys coming back who have flashed at different times and kobe smith and jesse matthews san diego state obviously is not a uh, super pass happy team has not been, but those two guys have put up. You know, Matthews had four production points last year and three the year prior. Kobe Smith didn't have any last year, but had four the year prior, and he was you know going back to the CFF talk. You and I do a show on on late Saturday nights. I remember he was a name that came up a few times in 2019. Is like, wow, Kobe Smith had a big game. Is he yeah. somebody we need to to look deeper into? So you know, there there are weapons there, but who's going to get the ball? to them? Are they going to be able to to do it consistently or are they going to find the right guy? That's my bigger question. And and that's why I'm not, you know, super high on any individual receiver in that group. But they're they're pretty much set at running back. Greg Bell is a a guy who's got all Mountain West potential. He's he's you know got some All Mountain West recognition last year, but they're deep at that position. Keegan Williams, Jess Bell, uh, all had you know over 120 snaps last year. Jordan Bird, who is a you know, I talk about. There's plenty of talented tight ends. There's a lot of talented special teams players. Return now. Jordan Bird is is one of those guys. Was a second team All Mountain West kick returner last year. Is one of the fastest players in college football i remember you know every year i try to find lists of who are the fastest players and you know coming out of high school and he was one a few years ago that that popped was just putting up incredible track numbers in uh, new mexico where he's from i was really excited but he's a small guy so he's not really necessarily built to to carry a heavy load and san diego state's deep at that position but i only saw it one place and i don't remember exactly where i usually try to, to you know, put my sources, uh, or, or you know, site so, uh, sources when I when I read something or see something. But I saw somewhere that he might be getting some reps at receiver. That would really interest me, because you know, Jordan Bird is somebody who's had big time, you know, kick returns, has had some success at times out of the backfield. I, he's a guy that I think needs the ball a little bit more. So if you've got Greg Bell, who can be kind of a bell cow, you've got you know, some solid senior backups. It's a very veteran group. Uh, And then you throw in, you know, Jordan Bird with a pretty talented receiving core. There are the makings of a good offense at San Diego State. They've got a pretty solid offensive line. They did lose their best uh, starter, left tackle uh, Kyle Spalding, but Zachary Thomas was an all-mountain west tackle, moved from the right side to the left side. He's one of four starters coming back. He had incredible uh, run blocking numbers uh, from PFF last season. Needs to get a little bit better as a, as a pass blocker, but, um, you know, they're, they're solid. They're solid everywhere except maybe quarterback. And then also you think, okay, this is San Diego State. They did have a change in uh, head coach, but Brady Hope, defensive guy you know, is going to have a a pretty similar mindset probably to the Rocky Long regime, run the ball, play, play defense. And it worked out. I mean, they ranked seventh in our overall defensive team performance, our passing team uh, team performance and rushing defensive team performance. So it was an excellent, excellent defense, Uh, not only statistically you know, in, in some of the advanced metrics that we look at, I mean EPA per play defensively, they were eighth in the country. Success rate against, they were sixth. Yards per pass attempt, third. Points per drive allowed, eighth. Yards per play, third. And you know, so they're they're putting elite elite defensive numbers across the board. And you know, the front seven is basically returning in. You know, intact, Uh, and that includes a couple of old Mountain West guys. Cameron Thomas moved to defensive end, had a huge, huge year. He now has 31 defensive uh, production points in his career. Jonah Tavai, uh, you know, kind of held down that interior spot in in the the three-four base that that they run. He had 13 production points, and for for a 300-pound interior defensive lineman. That's that's kind of ridiculous to be that productive. That's kind of an under-the-radar position that isn't going to fill up the stat sheet more often than not. But he graded out really, really well and put up some good numbers, too. So, you know, they've got a, a solid uh, defensive line. They've got good linebackers. All four starters are back. They've got a couple of starters returning in the secondary. But they lost three guys who are going to be in NFL camps, including a fourth-round pick of the atlanta falcons darren hall so you know that's really the only concern but that was a pretty deep group i think uh so on paper they don't necessarily you know rate super well it's it's actually uh 100 the san diego state defensive backfield is 107th in our talent numbers seventh in the mountain west that's basically what they are on on the quarterback position as well so those are, those are the two question marks on paper. If you get those figured out, this is a team to contend, as they usually do, uh, for you know, the Western Division title. I think there are other teams that have fewer questions, specifically Nevada, as we discussed, but another we'll talk about here in a second, San Jose State. But San Diego State is, is always very, very difficult. They can beat anybody on the schedule, and that might include Utah. Uh, so you know they're they're a team that if everything were to click at that quarterback position if shavers becomes a dynamic mountain west receiver, if they find some you know guys to to fill open spots in the secondary, this is a 10 11 win team, but you know they're they're certainly not sexy. they're gonna play a lot of close games even in games against teams that they're better than. so sometimes you know it, 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 you you sort of limit your uh, uh, your your margin for error is much smaller when you play that type of, of offense and, and then kind of slow the game down like that. So you know, maybe something goes wrong and, and this could be a team that loses a couple of games that it shouldn't. So I'm a little bit, I know all over the board on kind of my personal feelings. We have them favored in six games. That seems about right in our official model, but they are one of the more talented teams in the Mountain West. They have nine talent edges. And then the SAS model likes them too. And, and those are two totally different models. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting to see both of them at two and a half wins over that win total. So I kind of, you know, that, that really does intrigue me, but I just, I, I, I hesitate because six and six, seven and five seems about right. It's a tough Mountain West, West division this year. And they you know, they, they, they get kind of a tough draw as well. Do have to play Boise State, uh, do have to play Air Force, and it, it's going to be a tough road. But don't be shocked if, if uh, San Diego State, when all is said and done, you know, surpasses Nevada and, and San Jose State and sneaks into that Mountain West. I do that, that wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Yeah, this is where Xavier, the Mountain West starts to get a little clunky because yep. uh, I, I start to really love a lot of these numbers, but someone isn't going to do it, you know? Right. So, um, but I, I do, once again, like this bet on San Diego State, uh, the over six and a half. I think you look at the schedule here, uh, you know, what are the wins that we feel like we for sure have? Uh, New Mexico State. Uh, I'll just give them Arizona. I don't think Arizona's ready yet, so I'm going to give them that one. Uh, Towson, I I think, is a win. Uh, New Mexico, I I think, is a win. Uh, And UNLV is a win. That's five. So uh, the number six and a half. So you you have a lot of toss-ups here as far as, you know, uh, I think Fresno State, Hawaii, Nevada. Uh, I think, you know. Boise state, probably one of the tougher ones, but maybe a win against air force or San Jose state could happen for them too. You just got to get two of those. So I I don't know that that might be, it might be a little difficult. So I think my favorite one still, uh, in the mountain West is going to be Nevada, but San Diego state could be right there as well. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think this is team that could go four and zero in their, in their non conference schedule. Or you know, I, I genuinely think so. I think Utah is reeling and it's, it has yet to figure out its quarterback position. So I think there's an opportunity there for them to win that game, especially with it being at home. Um, I think Arizona, like you said is a lost cause right now and has not yet to figure out what their program is going to look like next year. Um, and then New Mexico State and Towson, I think, are both winnable games as well. So I, I would not be surprised if they went 4-0 there. And that's why I am for them. I think, I think I'm going to go with the over. I think they can get to 7. Um, I just don't see I, – I really – I do see, excuse me, on, on their schedule, the opportunity to do so. I think San Jose State and Boise State are really the only two games I think are, as of right now, are guaranteed losses for me. Um, San Jose State because they're on the road and Boise State because I just think that they'll be better than they were last season. Uh, but they very well could, you know, beat San Jose State or Boise State. Uh, with Boise State being at home as well, that adds a little bit of, a, you know, an incentive, especially with that also being the last game of the year. I would not be surprised if they won that game either. You know, I, I they have – and, and you look at their schedule, and what I love so much about it is the biggest games on their schedule, the games that really would probably separate them from being seven wins and eight wins are at home. You know, they get Nevada at home, they get Boise State at home, they get their, you know, they get Utah at home. I think that really adds to the ability to to my confidence in them being able to get to seven wins. uh, When you, when, you know, you don't have, when your road games are against teams I think you can beat. I think they can beat Hawaii on the road. I think they can beat UNLV on the road. Um, You know, I think they can beat an Air Force on the road. So I I think that when you look at all of that, yeah, this is a team that I'm gonna go with the over here. I think that they can absolutely get to seven wins. my only concern for them is is last year I saw a lot of been don't break from the defense which is you know essentially they were going up 10 points and they were hoping to god that the defense would hold on to the 10 point lead for two and a half quarters. Uh, most indicative of this was against San, San Jose State where for about you know 3 quarters they were able to you know for almost 3 quarters they were able to keep the lead and as soon as they lost it late in the third San, San Jose State kind of ran away with the game after that, um, you know, and, and that's my biggest concern with them is do they have enough firepower to go against up to to really match up with some of these amazing offenses in Mount, in the Mountain West, and I'm not so sure of that. And just to give you know, just to to add to that point, San Jose State didn't even have Starkle in that ball game last year, and they were playing with a backup quarterback and they were able to win that game late or win that game in the second half. And, When you're hoping that your defense can kind of hold on without an offense that can give you a drive or two, it really, really hurts in the long run. Um, And and throughout a season, your defense will wane down the stretch, which is what we kind of did see from San Diego State uh, down the stretch last year, losing three of their last four, um, all of which against high-powered offenses outside of maybe no, I'd say Colorado was a was a high-powered offense and Mountain West compared to a Mountain West defense. Um, So yeah, yeah, and, and I think they would struggle again once again this year if they can't hold on or if their offense can't put up enough points, you know, you look at their schedule last year and out of their last four games, well, five of their last six games, they didn't even, they only went over 20 points one time. That's not good enough. You got to do better from an offensive standpoint to help your defense out. Even as great as a a defense that is, you got to do more to help that defense out. And if you don't, then you're going to see what happened last year where they lost five of their last six games. Uh, However, I think their offense will be improved this season. I think, you know, Nick talked about them figuring out the quarterback position, I think it'll just be a quarterback by committee kind of situation this year. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I just think they're going to go with the high hand week in and week out. And I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but if that's the best option you got, that's the best option you got. And I think that that's what they have this year. And ultimately, I think even with that being the case, it's a team that can win, uh, that, that can cover, the, the DK win total, which is six and a half and get to seven and get to seven victories.
1: All right, let's go over to San Jose state. Uh, another fun offensive team to watch. And after a five and seven season in 2019, they broke through uh, with a seven and zero run through the mountain West championship, losing only to ball state in the Arizona bowl. Uh, DK has got them at eight wins. Which is exactly what we have them at at eight and four. Uh, also favored to win eight, only talent edges in five though. Nick, San Jose State gonna be an interesting team, and I think this is one finally where the number matches up. So I probably won't feel very comfortable betting it.
0: <laughs> so San Jose State is a team that was fascinating to me last year for for a variety of reasons. And I've, I've kind of alluded to this, I think, in other teams we talked about in the past, and I haven't quite formulated the right way of talking about it yet. But I think about teams who, you know, major rebuilds. And San Jose State was a major rebuild. Two, three years ago, they were in the conversation for worst team in college football. It, w- it was bad. And they, you know, tore things to the ground. And, and Brett Brennan has, has built it up, obviously, into a Mountain West championship. Program, but last year was was really really strange, and it was a season. uh, You know, San Jose State, of course, had their own things to deal with. They couldn't practice uh, in their, uh, you know, on campus in the preseason. Had bus two and a half, three hours away. uh, Late in the year, couldn't play games at home. Played, uh, you know, their their uh, last at least one uh, scheduled home game in Las Vegas, and then were. Uh, won the right to host the Mountain West Championship game. Had to play it in Las Vegas at a neutral site as well. So, yeah, uh, you know, they overcame some obstacles logistically. They, they, uh, you know, really kind of uh, popped up and and unexpectedly, you know, won the league after having not having uh, you know a winning season in in the better part of a decade. So, uh, it, it was a really really interesting team and they certainly deserved it they were great during the regular season uh have improved on nick Starkle, made a big impact solidifying that quarterback position you know that he kind of did what maybe terry wilson in a perfect world would do at new mexico just kind of give you a solid guy who every once in a while can pop up have a big game but for the most part just isn't going to you know, isn't going to kill you. Can can just be a a steady presence at that position and get the ball to uh, playmakers who who can do some good things. And San Jose State has a couple of really solid running backs. Last year had two of the better uh, receivers in the Mountain West, uh, but you know they they were also at times somewhat fortunate. Uh, I, I wrote this little note in the the Athlon Sports uh, preview. They recovered. All five of their offensive fumbles last year, and I've I've read enough, you know, Bill Connolly uh, over the years to know that turnover luck is is certainly a thing. Recovering fumbles is about as lucky as it gets, uh, and you know you're not guaranteed to regress and be unlucky the next year. But those things have a way of of evening out. Also, one a bit of Bill Connolly's big things when talking about returning production, receiving. Uh, production is the most important or, or at least the most tied to uh, future success uh, statistically, you know, been proven over the last decade or so. So uh, they lost two great receivers, two great Mountain West receivers, two uh, very dynamic playmakers. So I've got a little bit of of concern. I mean, you know, they, they were fortunate at times with some turnovers. They beat Air Force in a game that, according to footballdata.com's uh, post-game win expectancy, they had a 26% chance of winning. Uh, they won a game against Santa, uh, San Diego State. It ended up being a two-possession final score, but that was a 50-50 post-game win expectancy. So they won a coin flip. Then they won a game that you know the stats would indicate they would win only one out of four times. That's, that's pretty fortunate. I watched a replay of the Nevada game. In the first half, Nevada was dominant, had a chance to to go down and score right at the end of the half and missed a a chip shot field goal after they, you know, just kind of ran out of time. Basically, what was the two yard line ran out of time, could have punched it in, had to opt for a field goal and, and missed it. Opening kickoff of the second half, San Jose State returns it for a touchdown later uh Nevada is on the one yard line again and fumbles. San Jose State recovers, drives 99 yards, ends up winning the game. So, you know, games like that in a way, you know, fortunate to win. That post game win expectancy number uh was San Jose State 95% against Nevada, but it was <laughs> the way I I saw it seemed like a lot closer game than than that. So, it's it's tough for me because last year was strange, because San Jose State not that long ago was so bad, uh, I mean, looking at, at the five-year weighted uh, team performance numbers, even after finishing 27th in our overall team performance ratings last year, they're 92nd. So over over the last five years, you know they're knocking on the door of, of triple digits and, and spent a lot of that five years in triple digits before jumping out to be basically a top 25 team last year. So. I don't know if I can trust San Jose state to repeat they return just about everybody else other than Bailey get and, and Trey Walker on offense. They've got an all mountain West left tackle could have a, an NFL future and Jack Snyder. Nick Starkle was really good. Tyler Nevins was super explosive as a runner last year. Kyrie Robinson was technically the starter. Both of those guys are back. Derek Deese is, is, uh, I would say, uh, A poor man's Cole Turner. He's a a former wide receiver uh, turned tight end and caught five touchdown passes last year. So, you know, they've got weapons. And then defensively, they did expect to return all 11 starters, ended up uh, losing Trey Webb to the transfer portal. But this was a good defense. They were 21st in defensive team performance overall, 15th against the run, 40th against the pass. Uh, Cade Hall and Junior Fajoko, Two of the best defensive ends in the Mountain West, for sure. Kate Hall is a 100 rated player, so you know on par with the best in the country. So, Santa State is is good, and they earned, you know, they're their, what they got last year, their performance last year. But, man, they were a little bit fortunate, and and I just wonder if they peaked maybe one year early. If you know if they 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 got to the the top of the mountain one year early, are they going to be able to maintain that and and win it all again? I think the rest of the league, especially at the top, uh, with with teams like Nevada, charging, I, I I struggle to see them, you know, certainly running through undefeated in the Mountain West again. But I I just have a feeling, and and usually I try to let the numbers uh, lead me and, and don't let my own opinion get too involved. I just have a feeling that, that some of the things that maybe broke their way in 2020 might not break their way in, in 2021. And that could be a wrong way of thinking about it. But I, I think they're going to be a very, very good team, a very competitive team. I like what Brett Brennan has done there. Uh, they're doing a lot of things right. I just, I just don't know if they're quite as good as they as they looked most of last year, I think they took they were able to take advantage of a of a strange season of six new head coaches. You know, they overcame adversity, of course. But I think that they they caught some breaks too along the way. And I just I just don't know if it's quite repeatable. I, I think they come up short in the Mountain West uh, and eight wins. Eight wins is tough. How many times has San Jose State won eight win? You know, won eight games in a season? Not very often. Twice in the last uh decade and and who knows before that. So it, it's, it's easier to get there than it is to stay there. And, and I just, I just have a feeling San Jose state's going to come up a little bit short this year.
1: I, uh, I, I completely agree with Nick's sentiment of uh, look, they, they lucked out a lot last year and it's really hard to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to go ahead and uh, just repeat and run through the mountain West. Like they did last season but I will say looking at this schedule Xavier there's one guaranteed loss at USC everything else is a winnable game for San Jose State so I kind of like this number of eight it's dicey I still Nevada is still my favorite uh bet as far as the preseason goes in win totals but I think San Jose State might be my number two. Am I crazy? Do you, do you think that there's no way they hit this number? What, what do you think about San Jose State for
2: 2021? <sighs> Man, when, when Nick was talking about how close a lot of their games were, all I thought about was Tulsa. Um, and how literally Tulsa, in my opinion, I thought was the luckiest team in college football last season uh, with how many games they won in the fourth quarter or in the last, you know, in some of those games, the last seven minutes. Um, and for San Jose State, I, I think their luck runs out a little bit this year. I don't think that they reached that eight win margin. Um, I mean, scheduling wise, this is absolutely a team that can run the table after the USC game. Realistically, though, you know, outside of uh, at Nevada. I think that's the hardest game that they've got on their schedule all season outside of USC. You know, for for me, once again, it's about that confidence and about that momentum. You know, when you're a team that last year, yeah, you might have gotten lucky, but you don't care. You won the ball game, And that's kind of the the mentality that these kids probably have going into the season is a lot of people think. And once again, you know, I'm going to go back to Coach Nick a little bit. A lot of these, a lot of the coaches are definitely doing saying the same thing that Nick just said to the kids. Everybody thinks we got lucky last year. They think it was a fluke. They don't think we're real Mountain West Conference champions, and we're gonna have to show them this year. Bulletin board material, uh, for this season. And if they can get some type of momentum early on in the conference schedule, where they play uh, Hawaii, then if they can beat Western Michigan on the road, which would be an, a really big win, then to you know, then to run this to run the table the rest of the way up until the Nevada game, I don't see why not. You know, I. I'm just not confident that a team that was a, that had to win in the way in the manner in which they did last year proved to me that they can do it for a, another year in a row. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from saying that they'll go over eight wins. I'm gonna say under as of right now. Uh, I think seven wins would, would would make me more comfortable because I think this is a team that is susceptible to possibly losing some games that they don't. Probably feel like they should, or on or at, on our numbers would say that they're the favorites, in, and then I think they can still lose some of those ball games. You know, San Diego State's a game that I was just talking about with San Diego State was in that game the entire way, uh, and just really San Jose State outlasted them uh, towards the end of that ball game. You know, you talk about uh, uh, you know a Hawaii at Hawaii. How does that affect them going into that week, having to do that kind of travel? Are they able to step, be ready for that ball game? You know, after losing to USC, you know, two weeks prior, you know, so those are the types of situations that I look at and I go, well, yeah, they they very well could end up as a nine win ball club or, or compete for the Mountain West again. However, they could also end up at seven wins, and, and I feel much more likely that seven wins would happen than nine for them this season. Um, but, you know, and that also goes to the, the recruiting trail. You know, they're, they're not the most talented team on, in the Mountain West. You know, and they haven't recruited well. You know, this is a team that even with last year's success, they finished 122nd nationally this year in 2021. They finished 10th in the conference this year. Now, typically when a team has a really good season, you don't necessarily see the dividends of that until later. But you don't expect them to go backwards on the recruiting trail But the following year. Uh, you don't expect them to take a step back after a good season. Uh, and that's what they did. So I, I'm I'm going to say seven wins. I'm going to say under as of right now uh, for San Jose state.
1: All right, going over to UNLV and look, they're not great. They're our lowest ranked mountain West conference team. Uh, they finished Owen six under Marcus Arroyo. So he's still looking for his first win. Uh, they really struggled a quarterback and on defense and you're not going to win games that way. They lost every single one of their games by 13 or more points last season uh the uh DK total is one and a half. We have them at three and nine. So this looks like it could be a bet. Favorite to win one talent edges in six, though, Nick. So uh I don't know what do we think of UNLV?
0: Yeah, it's it's the talent is is the thing. I mean, the any UNLV preview that you read or anything like that, the the first thing is that's mentioned is Marcus Arroyo has you know, raised the talent level, has uh, recruited really well, and it's true. I mean, they, they've they been among, you know, certainly the top half of the the Mountain West in each of his two classes and toward the very top at, at times. So uh, they are moving in the right direction talent-wise, but uh, last year, obviously, that did not translate to any wins, and it, it's difficult to see – how many more wins they will be able to get, you know, this year. I mean, Eastern Washington, even their, their opener, an FCS opponent is traditionally a very tough uh, top 25 type, you know, FCS team, big sky uh, championship contender a, a lot of times. So that's not a gimme. I mean, the, the Eastern Washington has beat Washington state in the past decade is I think beat a ranked Oregon state team. Am I remembering that correctly Uh, earlier? uh, You know, six, seven years ago, something like that. So it's a program at least that has had a lot of success. They also play Arizona state. They also play Iowa state. They also play UTSA who is, uh, we think a a conference USA title contender. So very, very difficult non-conference schedule. Even the FCS opponent is not a gimme. Uh, and then they're an underdog in every Mountain West game because, as you mentioned, they're our lowest rated uh, Mountain West team right now in our, in our power rankings. So it's, it's a path to over one and a half is, is difficult to see based on previous results, based on our team performance numbers, which, of course, were not good. 125th overall, uh, 112th on offense, 124th on defense. The highest rating was their pass defense was 71st. But part of that, as we talked about with Hawaii, was they couldn't stop anybody running the football. They were 122nd there. So, you know, don't really have to defend the pass as much. So you're probably going to rate a little better. But the talent is improving. And we saw some promise for some young players. One player who specifically excited me was Kyle Williams, who was a, a true freshman Wide receiver was freshman of the year in the Mountain West. Uh, A high school quarterback who, you know, I believe was playing uh, wide receiver for the first time. Pretty, you know, pretty impressive even at a a team that went zero and six to jump into the starting lineup almost immediately. Be the, you know, best freshman in the conference in your first year playing a a specific position. So have to think he's going to continue to improve. They do have a solid running back of. you know, past All-Mountain West performer in Charles Williams, who very quickly, very soon in the, the uh, 2021 season will be uh, the all-time leading rusher in program history. They brought in a uh, pretty talented, you know, certainly the the highest rated recruit in the running back group on the current roster, Javon Wilson from Oregon, who's a big back, 220 Uh, but talented, you know, so be exciting to see what he can do. You would expect that those two, because Williams is, you know, under 200 pounds, what are they going to be able to do uh, in sort of a a thunder and lightning type situation. But similar to what we talked about with New Mexico, who I think, you know, has a little bit of a leg up, not only because they won a couple of games, but because they've got uh, some, some, super highly respected defensive coaches it's going to be able to play a little bit better defense UNLV's got quarterback issues uh, they did have a senior starter last year who uh, did move on Doug Brumfeld got some you know got some reps had a start uh 47 snaps Justin Rogers, who is a very close to a five star recruit coming out of high school high four star guy signed with TCU i remember being So excited about him. Thought he was going to have a really good shot to start as a true freshman. Didn't work out. Had some injury issues. But, you know, if one of those guys, if if they can figure out that position, or there's a true freshman who, you know, pretty pretty talented guy in Cameron Friel. uh, Big 6'4", 210 uh, recruit from Hawaii. Uh, You know, we did knock down Justin Rogers two, four, seven rating a little bit in, in our formula so that, you know, just because he, he hasn't lived up to that level, I didn't want to overrate UNLV's quarterback position, but uh, taking that into account, dropping him from mid to high nineties to an 85 Friel is, is right at that level 84 uh, coming out of high school. So that's a, you know, that's a solid three-star guy could certainly develop into a starter at UNLV. Not sure. How it's going to work out this year, but if they can get that quarterback situation figured out, they've got a shot. I think uh, the offensive line struggled at times, but wasn't terrible. Ninety-second in O-line performance. A lot of the teams that we've talked about so far uh, in in the group of five are, are firmly, you know, triple digits. So there's maybe some some. Uh, Silver lining or, or some room for uh, growth there. They did bring in a transfer from Indiana, big target, 6'5", 210 guy, uh, Jordan Jake. So, you know, there's, I think, some promise on offense. Defense, they're experienced at least. Uh, they they do return two starters up front, brought in a transfer from USC as well. They return everybody on, in the linebacker core and also brought in a former Freshman of the year in the Pac-12 uh, when he was at Arizona, Colin Wilborn, four starters at defensive back. So experience, yeah, maybe. If if we had a lot of guys who are in their first year in a system, uh, were you know uh, some talented guys coming in, more talented than than the players before them, you expect maybe this is the type of team that can improve a little bit just based on experience, just based on getting a year under their belt. But how long is it really going to be, uh, or, or, you know, how much improvement I should say really will they get? I think UNLV is going to be a, a tougher team. I think they're going to be, uh, you know, a little more sound on both sides of the football. They do have some building blocks, but I think that, the rest of the conference is, is uh, you know, just as tough, if not tougher, than they were last season. So it's going to be very, very difficult for that to, to show in their one loss record. We do pretty clearly see over one and a half wins. Do I personally think it's going to play out quite that way? I, 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 I struggle to get there. So. Uh, One and a half, over one and a half is, is close to a bet. Normally the way, you know, we expect, as you said, three and a quarter wins on average, but this is the toughest schedule uh, or or very close to it. 74th in our strength of schedule rankings. That's, you know, top 15 among all uh, G5 teams. As far as tough schedules go Uh, only Boise state has a, a tougher schedule in our rankings. So, when you take the, the team that uh, is lowest in our power rankings and has one of the, the very toughest schedules, it's difficult to to win games, and, and they haven't proven that they could do it under Marcus Arroyo yet. So I, I think they can get there. I think there's enough promise, and maybe we'll see enough growth that they can beat Eastern Washington and then just knock off somebody else. New Mexico maybe is the, the best candidate, maybe Utah State, but... Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I think UNLV will be improved, but it might be a year or two before it, we see it in in the record.
1: Yeah, Xavier, it's just it's just difficult to trust a team like this. You know, yeah, I think you have one win on the schedule after that, and you just can't guarantee another win. So I, I'm with Nick. I don't think that I just don't think that I could possibly bet this number. I really want to though.
2: I really want to bet too. Uh, just for the wow factor be the contrarian on the podcast for a second you
1: can be nick and have a lot of money invested on umass and uh stuff like that i mean that's uh I, that i cannot
0: wait to talk about umass <laughs> uh,
1: i mean look the expectations are so low all you got to get is to what i think is three wins with umass or uh two. maybe even two right so we're looking at the same deal here it's not a lot to hit that over but it is I I think we're a year away uh from uh from them contending and I'm just not I'm not gonna mess with it yeah no same here I, I, like I said I want to and I want to
2: talk myself into as Nick time and time and again does he almost talked me into it he, he was close <laughs> you know he, he tries he tries very hard to make every team look like a team that could possibly be a bowl team he does
1: Nick is fairly glass half full you know oh yeah you know. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you know, I don't know if Nick would consider himself glass half full, but
0: uh, I, I think at times I'm a little too glass half full. I,
1: I, okay. except for
2: when you're talking about Kentucky
0: <laughs> this year, no, 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 uh, we are still probably, not we're this still year, our, this year, this will be a pro Kentucky. Yeah. We're Kentucky uh, we fans this year. In, we don't have to get into it yet, but, but they were. <laughs> to move. But yeah. at times I am a little, I, I do try to see the, you know, I try to see a path for teams. I, I try to sort of game out all the possibilities. And, and certainly I, uh, I, I can see how things can go wrong, but I have more, I guess I'm more creative in finding positive things, if that makes sense. Like I, I say, Oh, cause I always say like, Oh, if this clicks or, you know, whatever. right. Uh, and and I can sort of see that happening. It's it's more difficult to to for me to say like oh yeah Boise State they're number one in our power rankings but you know if if uh, they get hit with six injuries and you know, sure, this, sure this happened they have an off.
1: I mean, like the great Michael and Clark yeah, Duncan said, Nick, <laughs> you know, if, if some butts was candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Right. So, <laughs> uh, you can say, but and it go, it cuts both ways. If they have a bunch of injuries, they're obviously not going to finish high. If this, uh, X, Y, or Z clicks, uh, you know, it, it's going to be, um, it, it's gonna, it's going to be a good year for them. So, uh, I, I just like seeing, and you do a very good job of, of Uh, putting these together and seeing the gray because it ain't black and white. Nothing in the world is black and white. So uh, we all are living in the gray. So to, to see the gray and to see the out, the possible, the range of possible outcomes is what we want. So um, I see a little
0: bit different. It's a little bit difficult for me to see or or sort of to project sort of when things go wrong, I guess. And, and so that's, Uh, that's part of it, but I do, you know, sometimes the team's just not good enough. And right now I think UNLV is probably in that boat. They're probably just not good enough to, you know, maybe they, maybe they are good enough to get to two, uh, and, and, you know, cash that, that ticket for over one and a half, but maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're just not ready to compete. Maybe they're not ready to, to beat an FCS opponent in week one. And then who else are you going to beat? to get right. There. So, so, you know, sometimes that happens. It's just for whatever reason, maybe I just don't want to, or maybe it's just, it's more difficult for me to, uh, come to that conclusion very often, if that makes sense. And, Last year, and Kentucky if, wasn't good enough. I knew that.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And if you don't get that, if you're UNLV, you don't get that first win, uh, are host, right? Xavier, I mean, it just looks like you don't get that one. You, you come in and you underperform, now, now it's a real uphill battle to get to that total. Oh, so, well, yeah. uh, uh, so I mean, th- for that reason, it's just that th- they haven't put anything together at all yet. Uh, so I just can't bet on a team that hasn't done anything yet. So, uh, and I won't, so I'll, I'll stray away from this one,
2: but I will say this and I will, and I won't be long about UNLV cause I think we said enough about what they could do but what they'll probably won't do. <laughs> uh, but I, what I will say is that UNLV is doing an excellent job of trying to get, to, uh, trying to be the team four years from now. That is a second is a top three team in the Mountain West conference uh, on the recruiting trail. They're doing an excellent job. Uh, this past, this year they finished 68th nationally. Uh, finished third in the Mountain West. The, the the year prior they finished 80th nationally, second in the Mountain West. Uh, this is a team that is pumping money into their into their football program. Uh, built a 34 million dollar football facility. Uh, they're also you know you know and they're they're playing. Uh, they're, they're sharing the Raider Stadium right now um, as, faci- as uh, this team that, that, where they're playing. So they're putting a lot of funding and, and, and effort into making this program a more viable option for kids kids to go to. Because, heck, you're in Vegas. That's a first step for for any recruit, in my opinion, that, that is thinking about going to UNLV is playing there. If you have the facilities, if you have the stadium to go along with it, that's going to take them a long way. So UNLV might not be where they are supposed to be right now, but in three or four years, I would not be surprised if UNLV was one of those teams that had a San Jose state-like season last year.
1: So let's go over to Utah State, and uh, this is an interesting team. Uh, they did have a 41-27 to win over New Mexico, but – that was it. They lost the their other five games, finishing one and five, and they bring in a new head coach and Blake Anderson. DK total is three and a half. We had them at five and seven, which uh, would uh, usually be an automatic bet. I'll let Nick speak to that. Uh, Favorite to win three, town edges in five. And we did get a question from our guy, Mason. He said, how do you all see the changes at uh, Utah State working out? They've done a great job in the portal and with the new coaching staff what does bowl probability look like? So, uh, interesting team for Utah State, but a lot changing. And this is the second lowest ranked team we have in the Mountain West, uh, ahead of only UNLV, Nick. So, um, th- th- But it feels like uh, stuff is more on the horizon for Utah State than it is for UNLV. I'll say that.
0: Yeah, U- Utah State's a, a really, really interesting team. Hopefully I haven't said every team is <laughs> Interesting. I probably have, but isn't you know, It's an interesting, it's an interesting conference. Uh, but they are 120th in our overall FBS power rankings. Last year, they were among the worst teams in college football on both sides of the on both sides of the ball. 123rd in overall offensive team performance. 126th. And remember, there are only 127 teams really that that counted uh, defensively. So this was a bad, bad team. Uh, but I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that this will be, Utah State will be the most improved team in college football. If I were to make a guess, and I, I don't have projections on this yet, but I, I thought about it earlier today, I really should run them. How do our, you know, win uh, total projections compare to uh, last year's win percentage and, and see who we expect to, to, you know, have the biggest gains or losses? I don't know if Utah State, based on our current projections, would quite get there, but we do have them projected for 4.8 wins. So, uh, you know that that will be a big a big jump. So maybe maybe they actually would be there. But just my own personal opinion, I think Utah State. If I were to guess, you know what out of the 130 teams is going to be most improved win percentage wise, I think it'll be them uh, because there are two ways. You know things can happen when you bring in a new head coach. Sometimes it's a first-year guy doesn't really know what they're doing. It, it get you know uh, it's very different being an assistant and being a head coach. You have a uh, hundreds thousands of things uh, that come up as a head coach that you just probably didn't even consider or, or you know just didn't really understand until you get into it as a head coach. So it takes a little while for for some guys. Other head coaches are, are, you know, they've done it a few times. They've, they've gone into a new place, had success, and uh, are able to, to either build a program or jumpstart a program. And, you know, sometimes guys get it right away. Sometimes they don't. Not necessarily a guarantee if a, a proven head coach comes in, they're going to uh, have success right away. But I think it gives it a little bit more of a likelihood of that happening. Blake Anderson at, at Arkansas State last year wasn't great. And he certainly has has had enough to deal with off the field. Uh, But he had a lot of success there. Won shares of a couple of uh, Sunbelt championships. They went to, uh, what, five bowls in seven years, something like that. So he he knows what he's doing as a head coach. Needed a change of scenery. Found a, a team that basically hit rock bottom, you would expect. Two years ago, they had one of the best offenses in college football. Last year, one of the worst but I don't know that they were necessarily as bad as they ended, you know, I don't know if roster wise, if this makes sense, they were quite as bad as, as they looked last year. I think there was a, and this is me looking from the outside. I, you know, I drove through Utah this week, but other than that, I haven't been, <laughs> haven't been close to the program uh, at all, but uh, I just, I get the feeling. That just something wasn't right. And, you know, Gary Anderson's had a couple of flame outs prior to this. So maybe, maybe that was part of it. Maybe kind of getting a coaching refresh, getting a reset uh, is going to inject life into this program. And sometimes a, a first year head coach can do that. You know, we, we will on occasion see uh, that just immediate jump. And, and I know there have been more recent uh, examples I could turn to, but the one that pops in my head, maybe because we talked about them just a bit ago and talking about the Mountain West, but when June Jones went to Hawaii, they, they, you know, were, I think, winless in 97, 98, whenever he, uh, the year before he came and that next year, they won eight games, went to a bowl game. Uh, it was like an NCAA, or, you know, was a, was a division one record, I think for, for one year turnover. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen with Utah state this year. But I think right now, if I had to bet, who would be the most likely to make that sort of jump? I, I think it's Utah State, and part of it is uh, just sometimes you need a new person in charge, and that might have been the case. But also, they've hit the transfer portal really hard, brought in some talented guys, but we're also able, you know, and they they lost a few uh, players along the way, but they were able to, to hold on to, I think, their, you know, key pieces. So part of that is is uh, the receiver position, which, again, I was reading in the, the PFF preview, uh, Utah State finished dead last in their wide receiver group grades uh, last year. But Devin Compkins was, you know, limited, only played 200 snaps. Uh, Jordan Nathan only played 200 snaps. Justin McGriff went off one game, but was kind of, you know, absent the rest, Savon Scarver is maybe the best return man in college football. Just hasn't been able to to put that into production on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe Blake Anderson and and you know the new uh, coaching staff can unleash that potential. Get get the ball to a guy who is dynamic and scores touchdowns when the ball is in his hands on special teams. Find a way to get him the ball on offense, and, and uh, with Logan Bonner coming in from Arkansas State following Blake Anderson, even though Andrew Peasley you know, in that one win was really really great. He and uh, he and Justin McGriff were looked like a, a star connection in, in that game, but didn't really see much other than that. If Bonner comes in, solidifies the quarterback position. You've got some receivers to work with. Maybe you get a little bit more out of a guy like Scarver who hasn't uh, maybe lived up to what he could be on offense. You've got, if nothing else, experience on the offensive line, five returning starters, but they brought in two uh, transfers who may end up taking over starting roles. Defensively, I mean, it, it might look like, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a – a uh, blended family almost like they were able to, to hold on to some, some good starters, Nick Hanager, who moved from linebacker to defensive end this year, uh, a couple of linebackers that I know I'm going to butcher their names, uh, Kevin Meizenheimer and AJ uh, Von Punkena. My apologies if that's uh, terrible. I mean, you said it with confidence. So. <laughs> not really. Uh, but, but you know, you, you're able to hold on to a couple of those guys. And then Shaq Bond has, has played really well at times. Uh, but then you, you complement them with power five transfers. And they're power five transfers all over, uh, especially up front. Patrick Joyner. Uh, Byron Hobbs Bonds, those guys are from Miami and Texas, respectively, Uh, brought in uh, Gazeal Lee from Georgia Tech. So up front, it's going to look very different. You throw in Justin Rice, who not a power five transfer, but has been an all conference performer in the Mountain West prior when he was at Fresno State. And then last year at Arkansas State is incredibly, incredibly productive. 99 plus rated player in, in our model. And then you know, yeah, your, your secondary is, is uh, got a lot of experience, but they're not, you know, sitting back and, and just letting those guys uh, hold on to their jobs. They brought in a corner from Kansas and Deuce Mayberry, who was probably, uh, you know, the second-best corner in Kansas. I don't know if that's a, a, a backhanded compliment or not, but a, a guy who's played at a Power 5 level, uh, got over 240 snaps last year. Hunter Reynolds from Michigan was a walk on, but got on the field. So, you know, you're throwing in guys who've got power five experience. You're, you're blending them with the best of what was available to you last year. And some guys that, you know, maybe had a a loss of confidence and things like that last season, but have had previous success have had, you know, flashes, especially, you know, those, those guys in the front seven, I mentioned pass rush, They, they were, they were productive at times last year. So, uh, I, I don't always love. Going all in with the transfer portal, but I think in a situation where you're bringing in a new coaching staff as well, everything's new to everybody. So it's not like those guys are going to be at at much of a disadvantage. Uh, I I think that transfers are going to be able to come in and contribute might be a little bit bumpy at first. And they do have, you know, a tough week one opponent in Washington State, North Dakota. Similar to, to Eastern Washington, is not a not a pushover of an FCS opponent. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a little tricky in the the front half of the season. That that first five games before the bye is very very difficult, but the second half of the season is manageable. So if you get the win against North Dakota State and it, it's going to be tough to, to win as a, a double digit underdog against either Washington State, Air Force, Boise State, or BYU. But maybe, you know, at least statistically, they've got around a 20, 25% chance of winning each of those games individually. On average, that equals a win. So maybe you can find a way to knock off one of those teams. And if they get two, if they're two and three, I say Utah State's going to a bowl game. If they're one and four, it's still possible. Because they are, if not a favorite, they're they're only favored in two of these games, but if not a favorite, they are a uh five-point underdog or less in all but the San Jose State game going going down. So all what five, six of those games are winnable. So I, I think that Utah State, you know, I, I think this is the, the situation where a coaching change we should expect a, a bounce back. I don't always think that. It's it's actually kind of rare. I'm usually pretty hands-off uh, in those situations. But I think Utah State has at least a 50% chance of getting to a bowl. And I know we only call for 4.8 4. wins, but I think, I think Utah State might be a tiny bit better than our numbers give him credit for because I, I expect Bonner is going to be the starting quarterback. But right now, in our numbers, he's slashed with Presley. That, you know, if Bonner's the outright guy because he's an 85 rated player, Presley's just a 73, that added, I checked it earlier, added basically a point per uh, game in in Utah State's favor uh and then once they get the running back situation figured out get a few production points you know if Tompkins steps into his potential if if uh the you know Scarver gets into the uh starting lineup those little little bits are going to add up in our power ratings And and Utah State might actually be favored in all but you know one or two of those games in the second half so I think this is a team that's going to grow I think they're going to put up good offensive numbers Arkansas State was uh last year passing wise a top 10 team in our passing team performance numbers they were 45th on offense overall but you know I I I have a feeling that Utah State could be the most improved team in in college football next year and it's maybe too optimistic like we just talked about (laughs) but there are a lot of paths for Utah State to get better and there are basically no paths for utah state to get worse so uh, i you know how much better will they be i think there's a chance that that you know five or six
1: wins i i would never call you too optimistic uh, i would, call I would not. You, uh yeah because i've heard you talk about kentucky last year so i mean it, it's uh i i think you're you're very realistic nick so uh, i think I think it's just glass half full. You want to see the upside. And like, I mean, it is a old idiom or saying or what, however, you know, life's too short to bet the under, right? So uh, we're always hoping for positive. There's value so, on
0: the under. That's a, that's why that's, see, that's the thing. No, 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 that up I should have brought that up earlier. Me personally, one thing that I'm noticing that the, the bets I'm liking, I think are, there are too many overs. I'm I'm missing something on some of these teams. So I, I, who is it going to be? I don't know, but there's value on the under you say life's too short to bet the over. A lot of people think that, and that's why there's value on the unders. I well, I think there's also a saying out.
1: that's you know, uh, <laughs> real betters take unders. You know what I mean? Like the, there's <laughs> there's one there's ones that that work the opposite way. It's just the the saying is is you. I think it's for people who want to bet positively. You know, oh, I think the this is going to go over. This game is going to be fun. You know that that type of deal. That's uh, casual betting is what you get uh, is where you get that that saying, of course, because I mean. You know, uh, just looking at the NBA finals, I was under, 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 you know. So, uh, but but anyway, speaking to Utah State, I think Nick is right here, Xavier. I think this is uh, this is probably my my second favorite bet. I'm going to bump it up. It's uh, still behind Nevada, but I'm going to okay. bump it up to my second favorite win total here. Uh, and I think I'll make a bet on this one, too. I think Utah State is a team that can improve uh, fairly quickly because I think the talent's on the roster.
2: I am with you guys one hundred percent. I think it's funny that you brought up that real betters bet under because me and Nick have bet over more times than under so far. When we look, <laughs> you look at our you look at well, our, what, are you I mean, our spreadsheet,
1: we are doing fake dollars on that. So uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that that's that's uh, part of the reasoning. So, uh,
2: but yeah, and I don't I, know I could... if that's
1: like an overall saying. I just know uh, I am one thousand percent sure there are some betters that have that in their mind. So,
0: yeah, oh, I, I've, I, I've met plenty of guys, you know, at a bar watching a game, or yeah. yeah, you know, it's fun to root for the over, whether it's a total or whatever. And, and you know, if it's your team like that, not to bring UMass up again, but when I tweeted out something about UMass earlier uh, this week, there was a guy who was like, Oh, yeah, bet the one and a half on the over just for fun. And I was like, Oh, no, I, I bet it. I'm not sure how much fun it's going to be, but, uh, <laughs> but I bet it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it it's a uh I I understand what you're saying completely. it, it is and I think it could be just as fun to bet the under. You know what I mean? If the game is close and you're biting your nails, that's what you wanted. You know what I mean? For for most betters. I mean, there's a lot of people that do it professionally that you know they don't want any part of that. But as long as it, it's close and it makes the game fun and you're not gonna lose your life savings, right? Which you shouldn't be betting, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't bet more than you you're you can afford to lose. We all know that doesn't always work that way for everybody, obviously. But um, but it, it's to make the game fun and betting the ender can be just as fun. Out here, right.
2: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but I think here you bet the over. I, I like Utah State. I like them at three and a half to bet the over. You know, something Scott said earlier, which I think holds serve here is one of these teams has got to give. You know, when we we're talking about kind of the middling part of the Mountain West, where you know it was around Nevada, New Mexico, and San Diego State, we were like, one of these teams has to go under uh, for for another one of these teams to succeed. And I, I feel the same way a little bit about Utah State. Yes, they're going to need some other teams to to have some down years, uh, but I think that they have more than enough talent to be the team that surprises the rest of college football and is, and possibly gets themselves to a bowl game. I'm not so sure I'm ready to call them a bowl contender or uh, like slot them into a bowl game right now, uh, but I don't see why they could, excuse me, they could not make it there. You know, Talent-wise, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I like what they have at quarterback. I love Logan Bonner. I think he's going to come right in and give them an infusion on offense that they haven't had. Uh, and he has nothing but senior-laden receiving core around him that he can use at his disposal. And I really, I think that's going to really help uh, that that them getting the the playbook down and them getting that uh, cohesion starting off. You know, I've talked about a lot on this podcast how, from a receiver and a quarterback standpoint you guys have really a summer to kind of get the, you know, the, the cohesion down. And if you don't, it'll show in season. Uh, But when you have juniors and seniors all over your receiving core, including at the tight end position, that really helps the quarterback who's just now transferring in. I love their offensive line. I think that, you know, this is probably, you know, their, their left tackle and left guard for me are, are going to be probably guys who are, you know, five, you know, day three guys in the NFL, whether it's sixth or seventh round draft picks or at the very least undrafted free agent guys like we saw earlier with Air Force. So I, I, I think that Utah State is a team that is a sleeper. As a bowl team, I think that they can compete with, with the majority of their schedule. I think even with Washington State, they can compete in that game. I don't, I'm not necessarily going to say that that's a win, but I think that that's more than a, a game in which they can compete in. I think non-conference wise, you know, they can, they can go and beat Washington State, beat North Dakota. They're going to struggle with BYU because I think they'll struggle with BYU just based off BYU being a little bit more of a talented ball club. But I wouldn't be surprised in that game if they were able to compete. I think that's going to be the word I use a lot for Utah State this year, is that they, I, I do not see them just getting blown out of the water in a lot of their ball games. I think they'll be able to stick around in a lot of them. And that's half the battle for, for, for your, for you in college football. It's just sticking around, you know, and if you're able to, you know, with, with, when you're playing with kids, a lot of the times there's a very few amount of teams. Hmm, I didn't know that, Nick, but there's a lot of teams that may have to, uh, they, they may there's a lot of teams because they're kids that don't know how to put teams away. And so if you're allowed to stick around a little bit like a Tulsa last year, like maybe San, like San Jose State last year uh, with, uh that Nick was talking about uh, earlier. If you're able to stick around, you might have an opportunity to win some of these games that maybe you're not the favorite in. So I like Utah State. I'm going to go with the over for them as well. Uh, they're also, you know, the only problem. Is that on the recruiting trail? They suck. Uh, And I'm going to need them to figure that out and get better in that regard. You can't be 132nd nationally as we're boosting the talent that you have, Uh, you know, finishing dead last in the Mountain West Conference. Um, Next year seems better. Currently, they're 69th in the 2022 class and second in the Mountain West. I don't know if that'll hold serve, uh, but I don't see them also plummeting out of the second spot either. So they're going
1: to finish around the mid-table. Is that 132, Xavier? Does that include transfers?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Man. But you got to remember, what happens is they take the transfers' high
1: school star ranking. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I believe uh, they, but, does it not
0: Nick? I think that's incorrect because I know that they okay. do re uh, they do reevaluate a lot of guys. I, I saw something on Twitter, and, and I've you know I'm I'm checking the the thing pretty often during the offseason. season. Uh, I, I believe that they if if they're counted in that number they are adjusted so some of those guys that I mentioned you know from from Texas from uh, Miami uh, probably are gonna rate a little bit lower on 247's site than, than we do we don't very often uh, re uh, grade them but but I do believe if if transfers are, are in that uh, ranking that they are the new a lot of guys get bumped down to 85 or 80 or something like that.
2: No, um, I just looked it up according to an article they did with Sports Illustrated. Transfers don't now, this was done in 2019, so I don't know if they've updated since then, but they said transfers don't currently factor into a team's recruiting ranking according to 247 Sports. So okay. that's, just something, that's just something, yeah. So they don't currently, as of that 2019 article with Sports Illustrated, they did, they didn't at that time.
1: Uh, interesting, I think they're
0: so, going to eventually, if they haven't, yet, yeah, since, but but.
1: I mean, it's got to be difficult to keep the calculations on those done because of the transfer portal. You know, we know it's gotten gotten crazy over the last couple of years. So uh, it's got to be super difficult to just keep pace. But, uh, you know, I mean, transfer portal is busier than some highways right now. So uh, it's nuts. But all right. Last team up here is Wyoming and Wyoming uh, last year. Not their best showing. They, they were two and four. They had a bunch of injuries at key positions. They had scheduled disruptions and their offense just came all the way back down to the pack. We do have them, uh, improving a decent amount this year at seven and five, uh, seven and a half is their DK win total favorite to win in seven Talent edges in six. Um, but, uh, we do have another question from CK and you could have just wrote my name in for this question as well, because this is the biggest question for Wyoming. I think it's what is going on with their quarterback. Sean Chambers has struggled to stay healthy, uh, but Levi Williams looks like more of a runner than a passer. Uh, so I think that is the big key. Oh Lordy. As the horn goes off for me, that is uh, a big key to wyoming uh performing well this year nick and uh it's gonna have to start at the quarterback and work down from there
0: yeah on on the one hand it's all about it's not all about the quarterback i guess with wyoming because they are they're somewhat similar to the at least the way our numbers uh work they there's kind of similar to an air force or, or a navy uh where they don't recruit very well. They're going to be in the 120s, 130s, or, or something along those lines. Our numbers—they're in triple digits in roster strength. 111th overall, 110th on offense, 108th on defense. Uh, they just—you know—there's not a whole lot of highly rated guys close to them, and and uh, they go other places and, and are able to uh, fill in some holes. Whether guys are from California or the or the Midwest or some out in the in the Mountain West region. But they just don't, you know, have a ton of guys who are high three star or, or, you know, even higher rated players. So. So part of that, Wyoming has found success in their style of play, and, and they're not a triple option team, of course, but they run the football. They've got two, maybe the best one-two punch uh, running back in the Mountain West. Xavier Valade is a 92-rated player. According to our numbers, Trey Smith is really quite good. I mean, a power five transfer from Louisville. Uh, He's the bigger back, 220-plus. He's an 86-rated player. So those two guys, definitely, they're able to lean on as a unit. They're 36 in the country. Everywhere else, you know, they're they're triple digits. Other than linebacker, because Chad Muma is a, a ninety-two rated player, all conference type guy. But everywhere else, they, you know, talent wise, don't really stack up at least on paper. But they run a system that allows them to uh, limit possessions, similar to what I, I think, you know, New Mexico wants to be, kind of what San Diego State does. Probably shouldn't if they're, you know, bringing in top recruiting classes. But uh, Wyoming just plays a little bit different style uh, of game. Run the football, play good defense, keep the game short, have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. And it works out for them more often than not. And, And yeah, last year was a little bit of a hiccup. Quarterback play was certainly part of that. They haven't had great quarterback play since Josh Allen left. And even his last year wasn't all that great. Uh, But, you know, passing offense wise, they struggle. They haven't had a 50% completion uh, rate in in a while. So I started to say, you know, it's all about the quarterback because yeah, that's my, my question too. But on the other hand uh, it might not matter because, uh, you know, they just, they, they are able to get the ball to the running backs, take a shot here and there uh, every once in a while, I I agree that Levi Williams at this point has had more success as a runner than a passer, but I I think he might be a better passer than Sean Chambers, who is definitely more of a runner than a passer. Uh, And just unfortunately, because I think, you know, Sean Chambers as a runner can be very, very dangerous, uh, but unfortunately just hasn't been able to, to stay healthy. So right now we count both of those guys as the starter uh, for our projection purposes. And I know this, you know, CK is asking about uh, from a CFF standpoint, so this will not help him at all. But from our numbers, they're both 77 rated players. So they're the exact same player on, on uh, you know, the way our, our numbers work. So in in that respect, it, it really doesn't necessarily matter. They, they need better quarterback play. They need to be a threat to throw. Uh, they, you know, they need, Gunner Gentry to be healthy and Aiden Eberhardt and Isaiah Nair to, to continue being a, a deep threat, but they need to, to find more success in the passing game, certainly, but they've got a good offensive line. Uh, it's, it's at least very experienced didn't grade out all that great 86 in our performance ratings. but they've got a 1-2 punch at running back. They can lean on a solid you know top 20 defensive line in, in team performance uh, defensive team performance last year much much better than their talent numbers which are in the triple digits a good linebacker a solid kicker and this is probably the most important thing the weakest schedule in the mountain west 127th in our strength of schedule rankings which is uh the the lowest in or excuse me third from the lowest in in college football so you know you you couple that the fact that our our stats model loves them, favored in 11 out of 12 games. The talent is good enough, especially at, at spots like, you know, running back a, a position that they really lean on, a couple of defensive spots, that they're going to be on a, a level playing field more often than not talent-wise. So you you incorporate a style of play that, you know, is able to to kind of – grow that talent into, you know, a, a, a dangerous team, a, a team that can beat anybody that it plays and Wyoming. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if, if they get to over uh, seven and a half, our numbers aren't there. They're at, at a little under uh, seven. So it, it, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest betting that over seven and a half because there's a lot of good teams here, but absolutely Wyoming with a, uh, the style of play, the week schedule, and, you know, some talented players in some key spots. Absolutely, as a team, that's going to be very tough to beat. Could be, you know, I, I, I struggle to say that they're going to win the mountain. But, uh, you know, the, the, the mountain division champion is probably going to have to go through Wyoming, if that makes sense. Whether it's Boise State or, or Air Force, uh, you're, you're going to get a good game and you're going to have to beat Wyoming to win the division.
1: I love watching games being played in Wyoming because, you know, the higher elevation than Denver. So you can just see some of these kids getting absolutely gassed at the end of the game and then getting run all over, uh, on, uh, by Wyoming on, which is what, uh, gave me just an incredible amount of respect for, uh, Kenny Galladay going into the NFL was watching that, uh, Wyoming game. It was uh, Northern Illinois versus Wyoming and Galladay was like the only one that wasn't completely gassed at the end of the game. Went into overtime. Josh Allen had to run into the end zone to win. It. it was a fun game to watch, but you just see some some teams getting gassed there. But uh, Xavier, I have, a, I have a hard time betting on a team that has questions at the quarterback position. And that is a big one for Wyoming. Uh, they don't have questions at running back, which is probably a more meaningful position for Wyoming with the way that they've been playing offense. But it, you know, if your quarterback either can't stay healthy or isn't as good as, you know, your competitors, it's going to be tough for me to have confidence in you. And I think that's where I stand with Wyoming.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I, <laughs> Wyoming has the making of a team that if Levi Williams decide if Levi Williams really does take that next step in the next year could be a team that competes, you know, they're not that far away with the talent that they have everywhere else. But when, you know, and I think Sean
1: Chambers is better, but he can't stay on the field.
2: Exactly, you know, and it's funny. I was looking up his highlight. You know, I just typed in Levi Williams highlights when we were preparing for today's podcast. And the game that came up was a game he threw for 87 yards and ran for 79. And I was like, <laughs> "That's not good enough to win a to to win a title uh, in a conference with such high powered offenses that the Mountain West Mountain West has." Um, and that really means that you have to lean on you know your running your running game. You know. Um, but it's not that he has to get to an extreme level of, of competency as the quarterback. position. He just needs to be able to be somewhat of a threat. You know, um, it reminds me a lot, you know, the, the, where I think Wyoming could be is a lot like Louisiana in the Sun Belt. Levi Mitchell isn't the greatest thrower by any stretch of the imagination. But he is so much of a threat to throw the football that when you had Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell in that backfield, it made it that much harder to game plan for them. I think that's what Levi Williams has to get to. At the end of the day, he doesn't have to be a guy who's going to throw for 300 yards. But if he's a threat to throw for 175 and two touchdowns, that's good enough when you've got the guys that he has in his backfield. Um, And that makes a defense and a defensive coordinator have to sweat at night when you're able to do that from a quarterback position, as well as what he's able to, you know, run as well uh, and use his legs with the offensive line that they have. If they're going to be able to give him time. It's just can he find people that are open and make the throws when they need to be made on the occasional third and seven with a team that's going to want to stay in third and medium or in third and short most of the game. So that's that's where Wyoming could be. I think this is a team that, like I said, I'm going to go with the under just because I don't know what I'm going to get from their quarterback position. I mean, the under for them could just be seven wins right now it's seven and a half. So the under is seven wins. You know, and I like that number for them. I think that a schedule is very favorable for them. Their their non-conference schedule, I think they can go three and one in. in uh, I think, and then during the, the the year outside of at Air Force and at Boise State, I think they can really they, they oh and at San Jose State, they have an opportunity to really run the table. Um, and, and so I I don't see why they can't get the seven wins and be a bowl team. Um, and I think that they can get to eight or nine if Levi Williams decides to be. Better than he was last year, and like I said, it doesn't have to be an amazing jump, but as long as it's just incrementally better to where they can't pack the box and put seven in, and they have to, you know, to respect your ability to throw the football, then there you go.
1: I don't, I don't think I would, I could take the under on on Wyoming. I I couldn't do it, uh, but be, because specifically Nick just talked about how they're they have the 127th ranked schedule. You know yeah, what I mean? Hard. So, so it, it the schedule seems to be really in their favor. I just have a hard time investing my money into a team without a without a for sure lockdown quarterback. That that's more. If I had to bet, it would be the over. But I don't think I would bet it because I'm just not confident in the QB position. But that is everything, uh, everybody. That is uh, the Mountain West wrapped up for you. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, you can follow us all on the Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself at. Uh, CFB Winning Edge for Nick and at Xavier underscore Trish C-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier and we will see you guys next week. Take it easy everybody.
0: Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.